This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is go time on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with Michael Remus. And uh, whew, we got a lot to talk about today. Unbelievable night in the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. I shouldn't say unbelievable, just an awesome night of hockey. We'll hit all of those stories uh, coming out of last night. Um, quite a bit to discuss from the four games that took place last night. Of course, another great night of the first round of Stanley Cup playoffs as well this evening. And we'll look ahead to those. We'll hit the cool bet lines of those later on. Looking forward to talking about it as well as the aftermath of the Winnipeg Jets season with uh, our guy Brandon Rewicki, who's coming up a little bit later on in the program. There is a lot more, though, going on right now than just Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, the Jets offseason. Valor FC after a, uh, well, what can we say? Uh, they had to move the move the home opener, but the home opener is still happening, and it's now not Sunday, which actually might have been a benefit to them, considering it was at the same time as the final Jets game of the season. It's coming up on Saturday. Valor FC head coach Phil Dos Santos is going to pop by in the second hour of the program. We've got to discuss the first three games of the season and look ahead to what Valor Faithful will see on the weekend at the first event of the year over at IG Field. And to get things going, before Brandon joins us for a little bit of extended Jets and NHL playoff talk, we will welcome back to the program Moose forward Jeff Malott. Malott became a fast favorite of Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners when he joined us a couple months ago. We said, Jeff, finish the job, get this team to the playoffs, and we'll look forward to hopefully giving you a little WST bump going into the first round. Jeff Malott will join us as well coming up a little later on. So lots to get to. A big thanks to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. So We'll uh, hit the pitch. Maybe I'll ask. I, I'm not sure how many soccer fans are out there, but what an absolutely bananas game yesterday as we finished our program. Man City and Real Madrid in the Champions League semifinal. That was incredible. Um, Real Madrid pulling one out of the fire to advance to take on Liverpool in the Champions League final coming up. Uh, but our focus will be, of course, on Valor FC later on when Phil DeSantos joins us. And we'll talk Jets, Moose, and more. And, of course, don't forget, tomorrow, the Winnipeg Ice begin their second round playoff series against the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, games one and two, Friday, Saturday night. Perfect weekend activities over at the Ice Cave. It winnipegice.ca for tickets and count yourselves in amazing atmosphere in a full barn for the pa series and i expect it's just going to be even a hotter ticket as the winnipeg guys continue their playoff push but let's get remus in here and get things going remo what's going on how are you i'm feeling really good Hus. i'm in an awesome mood i went outside today i didn't wear a jacket like first time ever <laughs> uh was i didn't wear my winter boots uh, which I have worn like every day, I don't know, since November, who, who knows. And also, I picked up this bad boy. Uh, everyone in chat, sorry, podcast listeners, you'll have to tune in, but this is our award for uh, Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. Let me pull myself full screen. You can't really see it, it's clear. 
But uh, Winnipeg Nightlight Awards, what does it say? 2020-21, radio, best radio station podcast, Winnipeg Sports Talk. There it is. It's like this glass, this glass thing. I was hoping for a trophy, but uh, we can put this on like a championship belt. It'll be the front. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in on that. <laughs> Anyways, big thanks to everyone that supported us uh, with that. It was really cool to uh, to get that nod. And uh, yeah, we now have our first piece of hardware yeah, for, for Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got 16 teams battling for the most important hardware in the world of hockey last night. And uh, holy smokes, was that a heck of a night. You know, the games weren't really that close. But man, I have to say this, and I'll be interested to get people's thoughts in chat. Uh, more than one time last night, I found myself chuckling watching the television, thinking that if you had only spent your last two months watching the Winnipeg Jets and then tuned into the Stanley Cup playoffs, you would be, it, it would be fair to think that you were potentially watching a different sport, but at minimum watching a different league. Um the quality of play and the uh, the tenacity, the um, the environments going on right now on the ice has been, I mean, as, as we'd expect, um, what it's all about, come battling for the Stanley Cup. But this first round and some of these series, Reem, I'll tell you what, the bar is going to be set so high coming out of this round. And I know there's the potential we could have the Battle of Alberta. Uh, we could have Calgary, Colorado later on, a series that many people are looking, thinking about whatever happens in that division with the Panthers and the Leafs and the Lightning. And they're going to be some great series. But I I'm telling you, th it has just been, you want to talk about cranking it up going into the postseason. All of these teams have done it right now. And I mean, in some ways, it shows you just how far the Winnipeg Jets have to go and how important some of these decisions they have to make in the offseason are to try to get back to the level where they're competing against teams like we're seeing right now. And again, this is half the league right now. There's 16 teams of 32 playing right now. And uh, it certainly is a different level than what we saw towards the end of that regular season, to say the least. I've always said for a while, like playoff hockey is a completely different sport than regular season hockey. And you've definitely seen it with the intensity of the last couple of games. Um, that Svechnikov hit like maybe the hardest hit since uh since the buff hit. I don't know. Well, buff I, on I, stone. I was comparing it to the uh the Shifley hit, although this one was uh slightly more legal uh than that one. Svechnikov just dropping uh Hampus Lindholm. I mean, that's always a uh, I, I remember when I played defense and low-level hockey growing up, you'd always get nervous going behind that, you know, going around the net like that. You'd be be a target. And, but that was that was clean shoulder to chest. That's how it's done. Just you know, a big guy hitting a guy smaller, and you hope he's okay. But I mean, that was that was textbook hit. This playoff hockey. I mean, you forget what it is until it starts. Like I again with the Jets out, I wasn't sure if I'd be invested. But you got four games a night, you know, staggered start times. The last, games last night all sucked. None of them were close. But again, it was. Definitely some intrigue. I was the games were great though. I mean, yeah. the games and the level of play was was really good. I probably the game that I watched the least of was that Carolina Boston game. Um, mm -hmm. you know, once Carolina kind of came up, you're really able to focus more on that Leafs Tampa game. Um, but a couple crazy things. We may as well start off with that game. You mentioned the hit. I mean, Freddie Anderson was already hurt. Anti Ranta gets knocked up by David Pasternak early on the game. And uh, hands up if you've never heard of Pyotr. Kochetkov, oh, number I 52, 
who came re- in and got his first playoff win yesterday for the Hurricane. I referenced him um, last week uh, or two weeks ago on the show, saying they were down, and I was like, oh, this guy, and he won you know, the other week, so he's actually been pretty good for them. One thing that's kind of crazy is that because you know he was hurt, uh, Ranta got hurt, they had to, they showed the emergency backup in the dressing room. There's got to be a way. We can't have an emergency backup situation in the playoff. There is no way that should be allowed. They got to have a taxi squad, a goalie hus. I mean, I get regular season. We're big fans of the e-bug. I think it's pretty funny, but you can't have the potential of a guy coming in in a, in a playoff game. There's got to be a way to get around this. Well, it's embarrassing for the National Hockey League, to be honest with you, that they're... And, and listen, I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, other than adding a third goaltender. Um, and for some teams, it's not a big deal because, you know, you'll be... Your farm team will be finished. But, um, you know, let's say the Jets were playing right now. I'm the Moose are playing right now. I mean, you want Mikhail Burden or Cormier, whoever your top guy is, to be able to, you know, to be there and play in the American Hockey League. And, you know, maybe it's a depth goaltender from elsewhere in your system that gets to come up and sit in the press box for a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you what, so Kachetkov goes in, they've got the e-bug chilling in the dressing room in case he's needed. And I'm not surprising of all players in the National Hockey League to do this. Uh, I don't think anyone's shocked that it was Brad Marchand who both took a shot at Kachetkov, a little bit of cheap shot afterwards. Kachetkov, to his credit, gave it back. And then, and then Marshawn just gave him a two-handed whack, which normally doesn't happen to goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And Rod Brindamore afterwards, and again, so much of this is posturing and playing the referees through the media. Uh, but he was asked if he thought that the hit on Ranta was intentional. And he said, what do you think? Um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously indicating that he did think that it was intentional. Bruce Cassidy, I think, logically pointed out that the Bruins were on a power play. He did the score. David Pasternak, of all the guys that would be going out running goaltenders, probably down the list. Um, but listen, there's some bad blood right now, but I'll say this. Kudos to Carolina. I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be a really close series and maybe overlooked the fact that Carolina had absolutely stomped Boston in all their meetings in the regular season. Um, and it's picked up right where they left off, uh, Remo. They are in complete control. And really, the only coming out of last night, the only team with the 2 nothing series lead heading on the road. Yeah, I was on Carolina pretty hard last year, and they disappointed. They seem to be, I see people in chat rain. They're on a mission to go far in the playoffs. Now, this goalie situation, definitely concerning. I thought a, a Pasternak tried to get out of the way, and Ranta's you know, knee was in the way of where he was trying to go. I, I didn't look... Intentionally, I don't think Pasternak's that kind of player, but uh, Carolina, they're so deep with all their lines. Uh, you know, they got Vinny Trocek was the last year, I think. And, um, you know, they, while they didn't go far, but he's still on the team, and I think he's a huge player for them. They got three pretty solid lines. Um, you know, Nino Niederreiter is playing on third line. He had a big game. You know, Aho, superstar, Svechnikov as well. Defense, uh, very, you know, very, very solid group. I mean, this this team made David Ayers uh, look good and get a win. So that uh, shows you both their defensive ability, making a joke there. So I'm I'm big on Carolina. Nice to see them get a, a 2-0 uh, win. And I, I think of all the teams that I thought would go up 2-0, they were the only one. We saw a bunch of even-up mm-hmm. games. A couple teams at home uh, yesterday, you know, evening things up in Edmonton and Minnesota. Well, first up, let's talk about the other early game, and that was Tampa-Toronto. And... uh 
I got to say, and this is, I think this might sound strange to many of you, but I think I feel better about the Leafs and their ability to win this series today than I did before the game yesterday. Um, the way the Leafs came out in that first period, uh, coming off of that 5 nothing win in game number one, when they knew that Tampa didn't play very well and they would have a big response, um, they are playing so hard and so hungry right now for Sheldon Keith. And I know they got disorganized at some times and Tampa made them play, pay. But I think Tampa's going to do that to just about anybody in the National Hockey League. And we rolled out the numbers of what Tampa has done coming off a loss in the Stanley Cup playoffs over the last couple of years. And in particular, what Andre Vasilevsky's been able to do. But I was, um, listen, I, I think the Leafs, as much of a burden they're carrying on their shoulders with the 18-year futility from winning a playoff round and the embarrassment of choking last year against the Canadians, I think they actually are in a pretty good space. And even though they lost that game last night, I think they showed at least me a lot that you know they, they are going to go toe-to-toe with this Lightning team in what should be a very, very extended and long series. Now, credit to the Lightning for playing the way they did, making the most of their opportunities. But it's going to come down to a few things. And, you know, I'll get to, you know, an incredible turning point in the Wild Blues game yesterday. Um, But the Alex Kerfoot penalty, and I know Sheldon Kiefer has been talking about how violent this series could be and how physical and how tough it's been. And he's been right. There's been a lot of stuff after the whistle. There's been a lot of big hits. Um, There's been a lot of roughhousing from some of the usual suspects that you would expect on both teams but they also need to keep their heads on their shoulders and not give unnecessary opportunities. The penalty that Kerfoot took in the last minute of the first period, in a period where I thought Toronto was clearly the better team, was exactly the opportunity that Tampa needed to um, get a little bit of momentum. And tell you what, that Victor Hedman goal with, what, 1.4 seconds left in the first period... And you could feel not necessarily the air coming out of the building because I think the Leafs were playing well enough that I, and the fact that they had that first game that I think there was still quite a bit of confidence. Um, but you knew that you could not allow somewhat of a freebie to Tampa. And, and there was no reason for him to take that holding penalty. I know they like to be aggressive, but you have to read the room and see the way these games are being called. And um, listen, that one's sort of on Kerfoot and the ability for the team to kill, kill that penalty. Um, and, and, you know, when they came back, there were some brilliant plays. The pass from McDonough to Corey Perry, that stretch pass that set him in on the second uh, the second Tampa goal was something else. But I'll also say this about Toronto. They battled back. I mean, many teams that were down, what, 5-1 would sort of pack it in. They scored a couple. They had that power play with four minutes left. I mean, that was very close to being a real nail-biter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. All that being said... This is going to be an unbelievable series. I wish it was a best of 15. It has been that good so far. And I think that we are going to be in for a real treat when this series gets back to Tampa. And uh, my initial lean when we were talking about our cool bet uh, odds for the uh, upcoming playoffs or the playoffs that have started now, uh, a six or seven game series in this series, I think is looking very, very good right now. Uh, Because listen, as good as Tampa is, as much veteran experience that they have, this is not going to be easy to get the Toronto Maple Leafs out. And uh, I think that they're going to show something when this series shifts to South Florida for games three and four. Yeah, when I showed my bracket earlier this week, I guess it was at the end of Monday show, I did have Tampa in seven. I didn't think, you know, when you say seven, you don't think one team is going to win by, what, five goals, and the next game the other team is going to win 
by five goals, but or whatever it was, three, five, three yesterday. It was two at the end, but it was two but, at but, the I end. Mean, they did have a big third period it lead. Five, it was five one lead. Uh, I think power plays. We've heard a lot about officiating. Toronto going zero for four, uh, not really helping, and then Lightning taking advantage of their opportunities, going three for seven, and I think special teams uh, will be. I mean, will be a big part of this series, but probably every series as well. So much about about the officiating, you know, what gets called and what doesn't. But uh, hey, they, what is the saying? You got to be the man. You got to beat the man, right, Huss? So, yep, Toronto. I know they're gonna bitch about. That's the one thing that makes me happy about uh, Toronto getting screwed over with these uh playoff you know the way the playoff seating is in division because if a toronto gets angry maybe they'll make enough noise and it'll get changed but yeah tough matchup for them playing tampa here and um yeah tied tied one one i think this is yeah this is probably gonna go i think going seven well you know and it's interesting comment what's up to our buddy mal paris who says wow talent on the fourth line weird wonder what a fourth well, line with lowry and company <laughs> would do for the winnipeg jets and that's a perfect segue into the edmonton oilers yes and the Oiler game last night, um, you know, I think probably working with Dustin Nielsen as closely as I do on the lock shop and, you know, now without a station, I'll often, he's got a, such a fun show with Lieutenant Eric in the morning. I'll often listen to that when I get up. So I'm probably more in tune to what's happening in and around the Oilers than I am any other team outside the Winnipeg Jets. And let's remember where the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers were in sort of late November and December. Um, you know, they both had those great starts. They both absolutely bottomed out. And the Winnipeg Jets made their coaching change. Well, I guess Paul Maurice made the coaching change and Dave Lowry took over. Um, Dave Tippett took a bullet and Jay Woodcroft came on. And I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about Jay Woodcroft other than he was their coach of their American Hockey League team along with Dave Manson. They came in and it was their job to get things turned around. The stark contrast as to what's happened in Edmonton and what didn't happen in Winnipeg is stunning. And it was fully on display last night. Not only did Woodcroft get his team to buy into a style of play that, you know, was far more conducive to winning and winning regularly. Um, but to Maul's point, they're rolling four lines. They are empowering their players to go out and when they're out there, make a difference. And, um, if you would have told me that as bad as the Oilers were, they were going to get bailed out by two player, two individuals this year, Jay Woodcroft and Evander Kane, I would have told you that you were nuts. But man, Remus, Evander Kane is, he has the potential. There's all the dumb stuff that he's done on the ice and the trouble that he's gotten in and the people that he's pissed off in the past, you know, with teammates and whatnot in his other spots. Evander Kane has been exactly what the Edmonton Oilers needed as far as personnel and the approach that Woodcroft has taken into that room and got the buy-in from everyone, including Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl has been one of the great stories in the national hockey league uh, so far this year. And, you know, from a Jets perspective and a Jets fan perspective, I mean, you can't help but be envious, frankly, of the decisions that they've made. And obviously Evander Kane was never coming here to Winnipeg. Don't get me wrong. But that sort of a player right now is missing on this Winnipeg Jets team. Let me ask yourself if the Winnipeg Jets somehow made it into the playoffs. You know, they got a few more points and they were playing in this first round right now. I mean, do the Jets have the personnel to really even compete with teams that have that level of physicality? I mean, you know, we've talked about the guys that Toronto's bringing to the table sort of in their bottom six. Evander is able to do it in the top six. 
Zach Cassian seems to have woken up when they're playing playoff hockey. You see what Tom Wilson does for the, uh, the Washington Capitals. And it's easy for us to focus in on skill and speed and analytics and all the things that, you know, certainly are a huge part of winning hockey. There's another part that we don't see as often as we maybe should or would like to in the regular season that is 100% part of what you need to have in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Jets had it at one point. They don't really seem to have it right now. And um, it just it, to me, the last couple of days has just gone to show... Uh, shows how much work Kevin Sheveldayoff has both from a structure of the organization when it comes to who's on the bench, who's controlling the team, but also personnel, because I think as talented as many of the players are on the Winnipeg Jets, this is so far from a compete team that could really compete right now with some of the, uh, the legit Stanley cup contenders. And, um, well, it, it just makes it that much more interesting because, and that much more pressure, I think, on Chevy to get this thing right and do it this offseason as opposed to remolding this roster over the course of two or three years. Because, frankly, you don't have it with some of the contracts that are on the team. Yeah, Evander Kane, he's been great since uh, signing with Edmonton, you know, playing, kind of bouncing around the top two lines, playing top power play, 39 points in 43 games, 22 goals. You know he can shoot. Um, you know, he plays, no one has ever questioned his ability to play hard, go into the corners, play physical. Um, he's just, you know, dummy off the ice and it's kind of caught up to him. A couple of his stops in the NHL seems to be going pretty well. And Edmonton, one thing that struck out to me in that game yesterday, um, I thought actually the turning point may have been the, it was the eye follow when he hit the post, thought he scored. It was a zero, zero game. And then uh, Dreisaitl had the uh, the power play goal, and you know Oilers never looked back. And then Nurse shorthanded goal, but Zach Cassian, I just kept hearing his name over and over on the broadcast. And you talk about running four lines. I mean, Zach Cassian played eight forty one yesterday, including forty three on seconds on Pelico. Warren Fogle nine forty two. I mean, comparing him to the Jets, I mean that's like double what the Jets would play their fourth line. They'd be lucky to get four minutes. And if you don't don't have a fourth line that you can trust at all, I mean, how do you expect to go anywhere um, in the playoffs? So, and also, I mean, there's just the physical play. Cassian six hits. I'm trying to think like who would be the Jets guy running around and hitting players. I don't think that they would really have one. They don't seem to have a you know any that kind of physicality needed. Or playoff. I mean, hockey. Adam Lowry's the one guy that can play that way and has yeah. had played that way in the past. I mean, the fact that he's playing center is, you know, he's probably more in the middle of the ice as far as in the corners at times, as far as taking big runs with guys. And, you know, I mean, Tanev wasn't a huge guy, but he was a huge energy player that would make those hits. I mean, he had some success in that spot, but you're exactly right. And I mean, it's not something we harped on, or at least I didn't. And, you know, I think there was so many glaring things that was happening with this hockey club that before you talk about toughness and physicality in the playoffs, there was a number of boxes that need to be checked that didn't get checked and the team didn't make the playoffs. But it's hard not to, you know, think from a Jets perspective watching this that there are some real holes in this roster. And, you know, sometimes you can, you know, can improve from within. But when it comes in particular to these sort of big bodies that step up and really show their worth in the playoffs, I look at this roster and I look, frankly, through the moose as well, and it doesn't seem like there's anybody knocking on the door for that role. And to me, that's a big, big uh, thing on um, Chevy's to-do list this year. Um, you know, if you do 
have aspirations of being able to play at this level against teams of this caliber that we're seeing right now in the playoffs. Yeah, it just seems like the Jets have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the same type of player. And I think we've talked about that. Uh, they keep drafting these, you know, smaller-ish skill guys. And I think it's great when we have a team, but we're watching this playoff hockey. I think they just need a fourth line that they can, they can trust. I mean, I don't care if they're physical or not, but it seems that you need that, that kind of element. And they certainly, uh, we don't think they have it. There's some people in chat saying, you know, Lowry could be the guy or PLD. Well, Dubois, Dubois is a great yeah. comment. And listen, Dubois is that sort of a player that I think, you know, you all hope that would be, a, and, and has done it in the past. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the way this team looked this year. He was the one guy that was engaged. He was physical for sure. And you know, I probably should mention that, but I'm kind of thinking more of those depth players. Hey, if you can have your number one or number two center playing there, that's a big, big step going forward. But I mean, we're looking at these teams right now and, you know, it is a lot of the guys that were, you know, somewhat complementary pieces through the regular season that now step up and are are really showing that they're able to play this style of hockey at this time of year. And um, and it's been fascinating. I mean, I guess we could, you know, we'll talk to Brandon about this a little bit later on with his thoughts on, you know, the things that this team needs to do. Um, to try to get back to where they like to be, and that's competing at this point of the year, as opposed to having bozos like us talking about what they need to do over the course of the next four months. Um, but I will say that the uh, the style of play, and and, and let's move on to this uh, Minnesota-St. Louis series from last night, Reem, because um, I think we all agreed that, you know, Minnesota, um, you know, all season long was sort of playing a playoff-type uh, playoff style. And, and I'll say the Blues, the same thing. I mean, the Blues, you want to talk about a fourth line. I mean, 1-12, to 12, the St. Louis Blues, you know, you could argue are maybe as well-rounded a roster as you have in the National Hockey League. I mean, their fourth line was lethal this year at times, and they certainly got tons of playing time from Craig Berube. This game last night, if you missed the first period, I mean, I was expecting the Wild to come out and be all over the St. Louis Blues. It couldn't have been more opposite than that. The Blues dominated the first seven, eight, nine minutes of the game. They lived in the Minnesota end. Marc-Andre Fleury made some nice saves. And every now and then, something happens that is somewhat of a fluke, a great opportunity that you have to make the most of, and that's exactly what happened last night. One of the Blues defensemen in their own end was just making a breakout clearing pass. His stick broke. The Wild picked it up. Next thing you know, it's in the net. They, it was their first shot of the game after giving up seven or eight on their own net. And it seemed like that, A, calmed them down and got them going in the right direction. And uh, at that point, you don't want to talk about great two-way players that don't get enough credit for what they do in the regular season that we're seeing now how important they are. Joel Erickson Eck, a couple, one brilliant goal last night, another one, three points on the night. You know, we've talked a lot and we've heard a lot about the way that he has turned into, you know, one of the best defensive centers in the entire National Hockey League and a guy that can carry his weight offensively as well. It was on display big time last night. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes a lucky break to, to wake a team up. That's exactly what happened with the Minnesota Wild. And to their credit, they built off that and, um, Took it to it. Billy Huso wasn't able to perform the way he did in game one in a shutout in his playoff debut. And that series is now tied at 1-1. And much like the Leafs and the Lightning, I really do think that this one is destined for going the distance. Yeah, you ever see a hat trick goal scored? Hats come on the ice, but oh wait, no, not, not a hat trick. Uh, and then right after, Kaprizov does, does get the hat trick. So that was kind of a, 
odd scene. And Minnesota and St. Louis, I agree with you. Both teams uh, very deep. You don't know who's going to score on any given night. And I think, other than you know, Capra's off, you know, he's a superstar, though. But, uh, you know, when you compare them to the Jets, I mean, Jets were just one. It's going to be one or two, and you're pretty much not getting any scoring from lines three or four. So um, when you say, yeah, the Jets not quite in the same league as some of these playoff teams, I mean, you watch some of this hockey, and you're like, oh, it's e- easy to see that. So uh, it's going to be a fun offseason following the Jets. But, uh, hey, we're here for Stanley Cup playoff hockey, and hopefully we get some long series here in the first round. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, tonight, we'll do the lines and whatnot, and maybe get a little more thoughts on some picks for tonight later on. But uh, in case you're wondering or want to plan your viewing schedule for this evening, it starts at 6 o'clock. Pittsburgh and the Rangers going at in Game 2. That'll be interesting to see how those teams weathered a triple overtime game in the first game of the playoffs. Not certainly the way you're, you draw it up, especially for the Rangers, who now need to win to get back to even and avoid going down 0-2 with the series heading to Pittsburgh for games three and four. Uh, and the same thing goes for the Florida Panthers. The amazing season, home ice throughout the playoffs. Well, that was all for naught after dropping a 4-2 decision in game number one. Game number two goes tonight. Panthers uh, down one against the Capitals, a 6-30 start. Um, and then later on, Nashville and Colorado, Calgary and Dallas. Calgary, I thought, completely dominated that game for the most part. But, you know, credit to Jake Ottinger was not able. They weren't able to beat him after that early goal. Uh, but they got it done. They didn't allow one. Jacob Markstrom was perfect. one nothing win for Calgary. They'll look to go up 2-1. And I don't know what answers the Nashville Predators have for the Colorado Avalanche. Despite, and I know the Jets beat the Avs, what was it, two Sundays ago to start off that homestand. I couldn't help but watch the first period of that game with the lightning or with the uh, with the abs up for nothing in the first 10 minutes or so of the game going. You know what? I know everyone was real keen to see what they could do if they could make it into the playoffs. But if that reward for getting into the playoffs, as Daryl Sutter said, was a, a trip to Colorado to take on the abs. Uh, maybe it's better off that they're sitting this one out. I mean, without UC Soros, I mean, I, I don't even know how this game, this series goes past four games, to be honest with you. Yeah, Colorado in three, right? Isn't that the uh, <laughs> isn't that the joke that's going around for that one? I mean, they're absolutely dominant. So much elite skill. I, I mean, I even did see a video of Hale McCarr eating a cookie on the bench during the game. I don't know if that's ever been done. So uh, they're they're rolling here. Put a pencil in men. Now I I have them going to uh, what the conference final. So hopefully we do get that Calgary Colorado matchup. Well, we'll uh, talk more about the Stanley Cup playoffs with Brandon Rewicki coming up a little bit later on in the program. He should join us in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, and we're going to hook up with Jeff Malott of the Manitoba Moose as the Moose are wheels up to Milwaukee to get ready for games uh, one and two this weekend of their series before coming back for three and, if necessary, four and five at Canada Life Center. Uh, a big thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge who are ready for the summer coming up. If you're looking for an incredible five-star fly-in fishing outing not too far from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is absolutely the place for you, whether it's friends and family, whether it's a corporate outing. Find out more at AikensLake.com. And if you do have a university student or two, they've still got a couple openings for a dock hands, working in paradise with a great group of people. Find out more at AikensLake.com or on Twitter. Send a message to Pitt Turan at Aikens Lake. Uh, of course, Wallace & Wallace is on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. 
serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if Winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. They've got it all. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. They've got the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 204-452-2700 is the number. The experts at Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, our guys at F Apparel are ready to get us done up for weddings and events now that we're coming out of the pandemic. Hey, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And now's a great time to look into F's custom suits that begin at just $400 because all of their new summer styles and fabrics in over 250 to choose from have recently got in. Find out more, pop in and see them downtown at 190 Smith Street or make an appointment or check them out online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And don't forget, wedding parties get a 15% discount when you buy your suits from F Apparel. And our friends at Vita Health continue to be the go-to folks for all things when it comes to the best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And don't forget about mom this weekend. Shop one of the seven Winnipeg locations to find mom the perfect Mother's Day gift. And you can get a little ahead of the game before you even make it to the store by visiting their brand new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Now, if you're buying online, you won't be able to pop into that great grab-and-go deli with Vitamarket's salad soup sandwiches and more but make sure you do that when you stop into one of any seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and check them out online at myvita.ca all right moose playoffs coming up beginning tomorrow night moose were wheels up this morning but just before the team left i got a chance to catch up to winnipeg sports talk favorite and moose leading goal scorer jeff malott jeff what's going on welcome back to the program hey thank you for having me uh, what's the vibe like around the team right now? Finally got to the end of the regular season, and uh, now it gets fun, huh? Yeah, yeah, no, everyone's definitely uh, really excited to get things going. Uh, I mean, guys haven't had a chance to play playoff hockey in, in a while now, so uh, guys are definitely excited, ready to play some hard, fast hockey and uh, get things rolling. Uh, overall, though, uh, I mean, you know, we spoke, I don't know, geez, I guess it was a month or two ago, and we said, hey, we definitely have to get you back on the program before Calder Cup playoffs, and we appreciate you joining us. Um, first things first, congratulations on the great season. Uh, a team leading 23 goals, one off the team point lead. Um, obviously, individually, it was a great year for you. Um, but, man, what a season for your club. Uh, topping 40 wins, getting home ice uh, with games three to five here in Winnipeg in the first round. Um, fill us in on uh, the season overall from an individual perspective and uh, and the team as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely um, happy with how things went uh, for my season for sure. Uh, you know, I just wanted to come back in and continue to develop and continue to work on uh, kind of uh, my skill set as a player. And then I think it was a great season, obviously, uh, overall as a team as well. I mean, I think there were very few times in the year where we where we had to kind of take a step back and adjust and 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 figure out uh, what we needed to change. And, and the times that that did uh, come up, I think we did a great job of of uh, realizing and identifying those areas and kind of, you know, making those changes uh, as quickly and as uh, efficiently as possible. You know, the, the Moose have been fascinating watching you guys. I mean, we've seen players play in all sorts of different roles up and down the lineup. 
And for teams that I've covered and watched, I can't remember a team that was so balanced scoring-wise. I mean, you led the team with 23 goals. You were the only 20-goal scorer on the club. Um, and there was no one or two players that just ran away and scored more than everybody else. But, man, it is so balanced. I mean, you look at the difference between Mikey Essamon's 42 and Declan Chisholm with 30 points. you got almost 10 players right in there. I mean, what would you attribute that to, first of all? And how much can that help you guys come playoff time? Yeah, that's something that, you know, gives us a lot of confidence that we don't have to rely on one line. We don't have to rely on one guy or or even one power play unit for that for that matter. I mean, it feels like uh, on any given night, we can have any line one through four kind of take off and produce for us. So I think uh, moving forward, as you get into these games that are going to be tighter defensively, they're going to be more physical. I think, you know, that only provides us with, you know, uh, a little added edge uh, moving forward, just being able to have any one of those four lines step up and kind of take over a game for us. How do you expect the playoffs to be different than the regular season, if at all? And um, what are the focuses for the Manitoba Moose going up against a team that you're very much familiar with in the Milwaukee Admirals? Yeah, I think uh, we played Milwaukee 12 times this year. We know what kind of game they're going to bring, and we know what game we have to bring to to, you know, move on from this series. I think it's going to be a fast, physical, you know, heavy game that's basically going to, you know, be one around the net front. And I think uh, as long as we bring our A game and and everybody's bought in and everybody realizes that that the game plan we have, uh, you know, can bring us success. I think uh, I think we this is a, a series that we could be, uh, you know, successful in if uh, if we do get to those areas and we do kind of um, you know take care of net front, uh, you know physicality on breakouts and uh you know continue to just produce that energy throughout the entirety of the series it's interesting you mentioned net front that was something that we uh, certainly heard from dave lowry quite a bit here in the final months of the winnipeg jet season watching you uh really a cornerstone of your game i mean driving hard to the net being in the places i mean i don't know how many of the 23 goals you scored were scored between four and five feet to the net but i would take the over on 50 percent of that i imagine more of that but again you you individually but also the team seem to have a very good basis for knowing exactly what it's going to take to advance in the calder cup playoffs and the style of play you're going to need to go with yeah yeah definitely i mean i think the tighter everybody gets defensively and, and the better everybody gets at defending in general, I think just those unpredictable bounces at the net, those kind of second opportunities are what's going to, you know, make the difference when they are these, these tight games and, and, you know, these one, one, these two, two games going into the third, going into overtime, it's, it's going to be the ugly goals that help you. The American hockey league is an interesting league because, and especially this year with the amount of player turnover with guys going up to the national hockey league, players coming from the East Coast League that have joined the club that have made big, big contributions to the Manitoba Moose. I mean, when you look back at this season, I mean, how have you guys progressed? And at what point did you guys sort of realize and establish the identity that is the Manitoba Moose, that balanced four-line team um, going into the playoffs? Yeah, I think right around Christmas, we ran into some injury trouble. We ran into some COVID trouble and we 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 were lucky enough to get a bunch of guys up from from the East Coast League that uh, or guys that just uh, stepped into the lineup that had been with us for a while. But we were lucky to get a, a kind of a committee of guys that were ready to work hard and jump right into our system. And I think that is the strength of our system. It's it's work ethic, it's intensity, it's, uh, you know, those intangibles that that lead to that lead to you know, a full 60, a complete 60 that, that allow us to have that success. And I think it was right around that Christmas, uh, that Christmas time where we kind of, we didn't know what our lineup was going to be on any given night. And, uh, and guys just kept, you know, showing up ready to compete and it, uh, it worked out for us. And I think, 
once we saw that we were able to win games with any lineup, uh, the the stronger we got and the more guys we got back, it really just kind of fed into that confidence. Uh, the Moose Blue Line has been a hot topic of conversation. Uh, you know, a lot of talented young players that are pushing for opportunities. I mean, we've talked and we've seen many of them at times with the Winnipeg Jets this year. Uh, you know, as a forward, how much confidence do those guys on the back end give you and how big of a boost will it be to get Dylan Sandberg back with the club as well for the playoff run? Yeah, first of all, Sammy is like a perfect playoff guy for us, like a, a hard shutdown defenseman that he's not easy to play against. And he's somebody who who can also contribute in the Ozone as well. I mean, he's got a cannon of a shot and he's 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 reliable up there and he makes the right plays on the blue line. So getting a guy like him back in time for this playoff run is huge. And then also just having numerous defensemen that are comfortable making offensive plays up at the blue line and, and uh, you know, continuing that offensive uh that offensive production and and having guys that want to jump into the rush and turn three on twos into four on twos or turn, you know, even man rushes into odd man rushes. So it's something that adds a lot of depth to our game and it's something that's definitely going to help in the playoffs. Jeff Malata, the Manitoba Moose is with us. The Moose dropped a puck in Milwaukee for games one and two on the weekend and then back for games three, four, if necessary, as well as game five at Canada Life Center next week. You can go to moosehockey.com for all ticket information and count yourself in. Uh, Sandberg's not the only guy coming back to the club. Your old uh, running mate, Morgan Barron. I mean, tell us quickly, uh, just back to the trade deadline, when you found out that Morgan was joining the organization, coming with the moves, him getting his opportunity with the Jets, and how excited you and the rest of the guys are to get a big body like that back in the lineup. Yeah, again, another guy that's just a great addition for playoffs, somebody who can play in all situations and, and produce as well as defend extremely well. Um, I mean, Trade deadline, it was funny. I was just kind of scrolling and saw saw on Twitter and sent him a text right away. I was like, hey, probably know your phone's blowing up right now, but but uh, like, yeah, I'm just wanted to let you know I'm excited you're coming and everything. He's like, I'll give you a call in a couple minutes. And uh, and so we were just kind of laughing about how uh, how it all came about. And it was great to have him come and, and join us for a little stint with the Moose first. And then, I mean, he just looked so confident in the NHL. He looked like he was really, you know, establishing himself there. And that's uh, some confidence that's going to come back and help us here. Tell, tell us about your background playing with him at Cornell. I mean, how long you guys played together and uh, how, how close you were among them. I mean, some players are, you know, closer than others, but it certainly seemed yeah. right off the bat. Like uh, I could see the big smile on your face when I mentioned his name, that you were fired up to have him part of your group. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's such a great guy on and off the ice. And uh, I mean, we played three years together at school and, and when you're at school, you're, you're living together. Like we lived together for two years. We lived next door to each other, like uh dumb hall in our, our big hockey house. And, and uh, you know, you eat every meal together. You're, you're going to classes together. We're in the same program. So we're going to like 70% of our classes together, group projects, everything. Like you just get almost sick of the guy by the end of it. But as soon as, uh, as soon as everybody goes home for the summer, as soon as, you know, guys spread off and go their different roads for pro, it's like, oh man, you, you miss, you miss spending all that time with each other. So it was, uh, I mean, a pretty big uh, wave of, uh, you know, excitement when, uh, when I saw him coming back here for sure. Well, what's interesting too, I mean, you know, I mentioned the big body. I mean, we've seen, you know, what he brings to the table, you know, as far as being a, being a professional and we didn't have many games with the Manitoba Moose, but you know, a team that is as balanced as yours can always use a player that has scored at the level that he has at the American hockey league. And then in addition, when we talk about playing playoff hockey, I imagine a guy like Morgan Barron can uh, really potentially be a difference maker for you guys. Be interesting to see where he fits in once you guys get some practice. But uh, I don't think there's any doubt that there'll be a spot in the lineup for 36. <laughs> yeah, big time. Uh, Jeff Malotz with us here. Hey, Jeff, before we go, in between your last visit on the program, you guys had the trip out to Chicago. 
and your brother got in the octagon. I cannot not ask you about that. I mean, first of all, how long has he been fighting? Um, and, and how big of a deal was this opportunity, this crack for him in the UFC? Yeah, I mean, he's been fighting for as long as I can remember. I think it's probably close to 18 years at this point. But, um, I mean, I've seen so many different chapters of that guy's athletic career. And, and to see him, you know, have success when he was younger and it kind of, you know, not work out for him then. And the opportunities not to uh, not come forward, uh, you know, in his early 20s. But then watch him kind of step away, find a different aspect of fighting that he fell in love with, you know, coaching and and focus on aspects of his his game that need a little needed more attention and really refine uh, his entire his entire fighting approach, you know, and wait that long for an opportunity. He's he's on cloud nine and I, I couldn't be happier for him. I couldn't be more proud of him either. I mean, he's such a determined fighter and and I'm really excited that I'm kind of watching the birth of another chapter of his career kind of unfold in the last you know year as well. So I think it's far from uh, far from the the end for for his career obviously even though he's starting at 30 but uh you know it's really exciting i'm really excited to see what he can do here were you um we know what brothers are like were you his first opponent and sparring yeah. partner what's up what's the career yeah. record against your bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't even think i bothered keeping a record because but as soon as i was big enough to for him to you know try anything on me it was like uh, i was out basically on call it was just we were watching tv grab me okay arm bar <laughs> let's try that triangle choke let's try that and you know it's cool to see him work it all out in real time and uh, maybe i could take a little credit for for his recent success well you know what? it's funny i mean we talk about athletes and we talk about players that you know the athletes that do other things and bring those to other sports um you know the the nature we talk about wrestlers that become amazing football players or offensive linemen because of the things that they do um i mean we've talked a little bit about how you are using your body and taking it to the net i mean um, is any do you give any credit to to your brother for the things that you learned? Uh, and has that helped you at all as far as just the, being the athlete that you are and helping you on the ice? You know what? Like I, I did a couple summers with him growing up, and he he dragged me to the gym. And I think like the biggest aspect that it helps with is just like mental toughness, discipline. Like there's days where you're you're signing up to go get beat up for an hour. Like there's day you don't want to. <laughs> like no, I, I didn't love I didn't love that aspect of it, but I loved. I loved going there and devoting yourself to something that is completely new. Like I, I'm used to picking up a, a ball and having some sort of grasp of what to do with it. Right. Or like getting on a field and kind of knowing, okay, well, at least I, I know I can run there. It's a completely different language. You're starting from, you're starting from ground zero. And, and it was uh, it's, it's cool to, to have an appreciation for, for, you know, somebody that you might look at and be like, Oh, okay. I, I should be able to dominate this person physically, but they just know a completely different, they know how to manipulate your body in ways that, that you've never been exposed to. And it's a, it's a, it was a great learning experience. And a, I mean, also it was like, it's a great way to stay in shape too. Yeah. Well, it toughens you up. As you mentioned, you take a few <laughs> yeah. of those and you learn the, you yeah. learn the hard way quickly. Tell us about the night in Chicago. I mean, uh, we've heard you and your teammates, you finished the game. I mean, no one watched it. You watched it together. I mean, I imagine it would have been a real special environment with all that support from the guys that you go to war with each and every night. And uh, obviously it turned out great. What was it like for you? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was stressful throughout the whole game, like not knowing the outcome, nobody checked their phones. We didn't want to know anything. We wanted to watch it as if we were watching it live. So Luckily, uh, Austin Saragusa set it up for the TV on us when we got back to the locker room. And we, we'd lost that night, but we clinched a playoff spot. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a little bittersweet, but we were excited to kind of turn that right around and watch uh, watch Mike's fight. And, and I mean, 
those guys, everybody in the locker room had watched his uh, UFC contender series uh, at the beginning of the year together with me. And uh, it was it was really cool to kind of have everybody invested in that fight, knowing like a bit about Mike and knowing, uh, you know, what was on the line. And then uh, it was a pretty emotional uh, adrenaline dump as soon as he kind of sealed the deal. And uh, guys were pretty guys were pretty excited. Well, I mean, it's a great story. It's awesome. It was so great. I wasn't really aware of, you know, obviously follow, but, you know, we heard the name and then realized the connection. And obviously that great story with the team, one of the great moments for the Moose off the ice, I'm sure. And uh, now it's time to make some big moments on the ice. And I imagine Mike and the rest of the Malat crew will be uh, on the other side of things, uh, living and dying with every minute with you and your teammates when you drop the puck tomorrow night. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully uh, we can get Mike uh, out for a game here, maybe a ceremonial puck drop or something. That would be awesome. I'll tell you what, we're going to have to get maybe during next week when the playoffs are on, we'll try and get him on the program and get the other side of the brother story. We'd certainly love to do that. Jeff, listen, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you guys are busy. Safe travels out to Milwaukee and uh, pick up a couple W's. We'll look forward to welcoming you and the Manitoba Moose back for some playoff hockey next week at Canada Life Center. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, great conversation with Jeff Malott. What a uh, oh, what a great young man he is. Uh, really fun to talk to, and what a season he's had. Actually, we'll get to the Moose Awards in just a second. I do want to thank our friends at Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Culligan have been the locally family-owned leaders in the water game for over 65 years here in the city. They've got water fil- water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems citywide water delivery services as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions whether it's for the home the cottage or the office culligan has you covered they're at 1200 sergeant avenue 694-5180 and you can uh, find them online at drinkculligan.com uh donnie and the gang at manitoba battery are ready for summer of course they do have the extended hours right now 8 a.m until 8 p.m every day at manitoba battery so you can get what you need after work as we told you yesterday the bottom line manitoba battery is going to save you time and save you money as opposed to going to costco and finding the battery that you need parking spending all that time not getting any help and paying 125 bucks for the battery manitoba battery you can order the same one for less than 110 bucks they'll bring it to your door that same evening and they'll buy your old battery for 10 bucks the whole process will take you less than five minutes cost you 100 bucks for the battery saving 25 dollars an hour of your time and you won't burn any gas that's the kind of math that works for winnipeggers that always love a good deal you can find out more at manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 783-8787 to save yourself time and money and pop down and see them at 1026 logan avenue royal sports ready for the upcoming summer of course you know that they are the spot for the best selection of sports gear and merchandise in town And with the upcoming seasons ready to kick off for soccer as well as softball and baseball, Royal Sports has uh, so much equipment and gear ready for the season, not to mention expanded fitness department and bikes as well. And don't forget to check out all the cool stuff over on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side as well. Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway. And uh, make a point of uh, following them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and deals. And uh, good news, I've been following very closely the all-star superintendent and greenskeeper Craig McLeod over at Breezy Bend. Opening day is May 13th. They're pulling the tarps off right now and all that new 
drainage they uh, they put in has done wonders for the course. It is looking phenomenal. Getting ready to tee off at May 13th. If you want to find out more about the premier spot for you and your family's golfing home, it's Breezy Bend. Give Corey Johnson a call or find out more at breezybend.ca. All right, lots of hockey topics to get to, both on the Jets and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And let's do it right now. Welcoming back our good friend, Brandon Rewicki. Rue, what's up? How are you feeling, buddy? Yeah, feeling a lot better than last week. So we're uh, we're taking steps in the right direction, which is nice. boy. Well, you know, if there was ever a time to be sick, this is a pretty good time to do it. I mean, sit yeah. back and uh, crank out and watch a whole heck of a lot of great playoff hockey. I do want to get to the playoffs and your thoughts on the series so far. Uh, but considering it's been a couple of weeks, the Jets season is over. Um, listen, a nice homestand to end it off uh, with some wins, uh, including the uh, the big battle that you were waiting for all season long between the Jets and the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, but I think what's been more interesting has been the uh, the fireworks in front of a microphone really for the last couple of weeks from uh, a number of players leading into what we heard after Sunday's game involving Blake Wheeler, Paul Stassi, and of course, the guy that everyone's talking about comments is Mark Scheifele. Uh, what do you make of the end of the season, and uh, what was your takeaways from what we were hearing from so many members of the club? You know, it's it's pretty crazy, but I, I think you could make the case that right now the, the Winnipeg Jets are the most dysfunction or have the most dysfunctional locker room in the NHL. I, I don't know how you could say anything else. And I, I'm still, I, I get that, you know, when, when Chevy stepped up to the mic and spoke that you're not going to, you know, acknowledge everything negative that's going on with your team. But this apparent delusion that this was actually a good thing is just, I, I just don't get the organization's public approach to this because you had, you had, pretty much every single high-level player on that team openly demanding change, accountability, leadership, like just, just any, I, I, I don't know. It's been just about time. everyone. Just yeah. about everyone. Just about, yeah, just about every one of them. But like, really, think of all the disappointing teams in the NHL this year. And you can make a case the Jets are, they might be the most disappointing team to, to miss out on the playoffs, but you know, you, you mentioned the worst hockey game that's quite possibly ever taken to the ice in the NHL with the Flyers in town last week. You know, the Flyers were they had an incredibly disappointing season as well, where literally every one of their players regressed. But there wasn't a basic mutiny at the end of the year press conferences with those players, right? There wasn't a basically begging for the coaches and management to do something when it comes to accountability. And, and you can go to every other team that missed out on the playoffs. And I just didn't see anything like that. And it's been, I, I don't know, nothing pops to mind. It was it was pretty eye-opening to see how many players uh, quite clearly have just had enough. And, and it's going to be fascinating to see how much management buys into that or if, you know, judging by what they said publicly, maybe think, you know, what one or two changes just might be enough to fix this thing. Well, well let me ask you this. What did you think they'd had enough of? Because, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, there are some different theories on it. Um, uh, listen, I mean, Mark Shifley has been the guy that has, you know, taken m most of the oxygen with the way that he played. And then, of course, what he had to say at the end. But I mean, in the stark contrast between what he said to so many others, especially Paul Stastny, was stark. I mean, you know, was this about coaching? Is this about the direction of the team? Or is this about, 
you know, certain players in the room. I think it's pretty easy to consider that at least as a big part of it from a lot of what we heard, especially Paul Stastny with, as we heard from Mike Johnson yesterday. I mean, from my opinion, maybe the most indictable damning comments about teammates. I, I can remember being said publicly in a long, long time in the National Hockey League. Yes. That, that I, got, I don't know if it's getting enough pub around the NHL. I, I assume it is in Winnipeg, but I mean, come on. NHL. The NHL is such a conservative place when it comes to, I guess, like calling out or being individual or anything like that. I, I I can't remember seeing anything like that, like just going at somebody without saying their name, but but saying their name at the same time to a question he wasn't even asked as well, right? <laughs> hey, hold on a sec. Let me take this one, Wheels. And, and I I said this on on my podcast, but if you can go back and watch the video of that whole that whole like interview, that whole presser. And the two minutes before Stasny says that, he is squirming in his seat. And you could, like, he's pissed off and he wants, like, it took him two minutes where he was like, you know, internally, should I, should I not? Ah, screw it, I'm going to do it. I might retire at the end of the year. And he, and he goes out and he speaks the truth. And, and it's it's good that he did that. And, you know, we it's funny, we talked back at the trade deadline. I, I thought the Jets should have moved Stasny, pick up a pick. You said, no, he's more important than that. Yeah, I think I think you were right on that one. I'll, I'll take the L there because I don't know if a fourth round. I, I'll take moving a fourth round pick for hearing Paul Stastny talk there. And and out of those three options you gave, it's it's a yes to all of them. Like it's I don't think it's just one thing. It's not you know oh this is the one area that needs to be fixed here and everything's going to be hunky dory going into next season. It is coaching. It is accountability. It is the the leadership group maybe needing to to find different ways to to impact this team in a positive. It, it, there, there's so many different things that need to take place because the talent's there. The, the, the talent was there for them to make the playoffs. And that, that was like a bare minimum. I don't, I don't know if anybody was saying, you know, finish top five in the NHL. It was find a way to make the playoffs. And when you look at some of the teams that mm-hmm. did, you know, even just in, in the West, Dallas, Nashville, and if you want to throw L.A. in there, they're not more talented than the Jets. Right, they're they're not more talented, but they play a hell of a lot better, and and that's going to be the main goal here. Is how do you make this Winnipeg Jets team better than the sum of its parts right now? Because if if they play the same way, you know the Kings have at Edmonton, you know if you watch Carolina against Boston, if if the Jets can tap into that, they're they're going to be a successful team. It's just been two three years since we've seen that, and that's that's the major concern and I, I i do imagine that you know chevy doesn't waste a whole lot of time in, in trying to fix that yeah well i mean the, uh, the the turnaround in edmonton to me is fascinating i mean the job that woodcroft's done the the difference that evander kane has made on that team has been uh, i mean so so impactful um but we'll get to that in a minute um you know listen we've talked a lot about the guys that said one thing um you know lack of accountability respecting teammates, all that. The one guy that had a very different tune was Mark Shifley. I mean, what what was your reaction when you heard what Shife had to say in the suit at the end of uh, at the end of Sunday? You know, I I don't think I was surprised. And I wasn't necessarily angry at first, but just the more the more I thought about it and I, I listened to it again and it just yeah the the more the more time that passed it just it pissed me off. It, it pissed me. I, and maybe it was the just the one line that I like where my game's at. I mean, can you have a level of self-awareness to know that you have as big, if not the biggest part in why the Winnipeg Jets 
haven't reached the level that a lot of people think they should. I, I was just blown away by that. And then, you know, you hear the rest of it and it's a lot of I, 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 me, me, me. And it it, it just pissed me off, man. I, I, I didn't like it at all. I was fascinated. You know, I'm, I'm no body language expert or psychologist or anything like that. But just watching Adam Lowry beside him, he, he can't help but think with the way he plays, how he was... Now, he was taking all that and he has a pretty good poker face. He didn't really he didn't really give away any emotions or, or thoughts that he was he was thinking about there, but it's just disappointing. And it's it's crazy going back not all that long ago, four or five years ago, where it, it looked like he's on the precipice of superstardom, right? And and there's a statue coming out in, in 10 years, and the jersey's gonna be in the rafters. And it I think at this point we'd all be shocked if he came back next year. You know, and that that goes from everyone, from from Shifley himself. To I, I imagine management probably feels the same way, and I mean the fan base is there's not a whole lot of Shifley supporters, and you can't really blame them for doing that because it all falls on him. Like for a supposed hockey nerd, effort and attitude has been a major, major reason why he isn't as successful as he could be, despite the fact that he's a point of game player. And that's the crazy part. Like that's the hard part of hockey is being a, a point of game guy or above that, and he's got that down. It's the other half of the ice and, and what's going on in between his head that has been it's it's been the real reason there's been so much disappointment here for a few years there's guys that have rough stretches there's guys that play poorly but i keep going back to what paul stastny said i mean when a leader a guy that really is the conscience of the team basically says that there's some guys and you know who they're talking about don't respect their teammates don't respect i mean that that is the one line that i keep going back to that you know, even if the Winnipeg Jets management thought, you know, we've put so much into Mark, we really do like him, he's been a big, big part of this, we want this to work. Once that sort of comes out, or once you realize that, and maybe they knew that there were some issues, but they didn't know how bad they were, that to me really does sound like sort of the point of no return. And then you combine it with what Shifley had to say. I mean, you know, the money shot was at the end about what I need to hear in my interview and the direction of the team. But let's not forget about the way it started with what I took was essentially a sales pitch of his own services to 31 other general managers. And I'm not surprised at all because I've been saying for a month, regardless of what we've been talking about, whether it makes sense for the Jets to consider a move, considering where he's at with his contract and what he could come back. I think that if you had any doubts, and I didn't, that this was a guy that looked like he could use a change of scenery. He basically all but said, I need a change of scenery. Yeah, that that was... I'm demanding to trade without saying the words I'm demanding to trade. And it, it, it was, I, I did laugh at some of it, right? Where he's, I got to think about my future here. Well, no, you don't. You have two years left. There's nothing to think of. What, oh. what do you mean? There's something, to, you know what I mean? Like, and that kind of goes into it there. And it's, again, rare in the NHL to hear a player, you know, go to that length when, when talking about their, their future with the team. It might be one thing if he's got a year left on his deal. You know what I mean? And, you know, free agency is then on the horizon, mm-hmm. but two years down the road, that it really shouldn't be something that you're bringing up to the media just, you know, a couple of hours after your team had maybe the, the worst season in, in franchise history when, it, when you take expectations into it and everything. So, the you know, the, the funny part of it all is if the Winnipeg Jets and, and maybe when the Winnipeg Jets go down that route, you know, even with a lot of the, the negative things that we've talked about with Mark Shifley and, and fans have, have brought up and all that, 29, 30, 31 other GMs are going to look at him and say, point a game guy. Yeah, we can fix that. 
<laughs> well, we, we don't have a lot of those guys. So, and, and every GM and every fan base is the same, right? They'll delude themselves into thinking that, you know, we're the ones that if he just gets into our camp, we can figure this out. We can turn it around and, you know, high end talent kind of trumps all. So, you know, despite a lot of deficiencies, you know, if the Jets do go that route, there's going to be a bidding market. And I, I do imagine that the return is going to be pretty damn good because well, he does again he does have two years left on his deal it's not just a rental trade well and, and it's not a 10 million dollar deal like jack eichel i mean it's six i mean it's uh, there's not one team in the national hockey league that could not find a way to fit mark shifley into their cap structure for the next couple seasons and you know elliot friedman spoke to that and i know there were some people with some theories that geez you know with kind of the way that he looked coming out of the season there'd be a lot of teams and maybe there'd be a few that say ah you know what that's not maybe a guy that we want to give many assets up to get into but i think the vast majority of the league will feel that way and i think you probably need a great dressing room. what's interesting though brandon just from mark's situation personally when you hear all the things that you know he sort of said that he's looking uh what he needs to hear whatnot like, I don't know what he could possibly hear. I, I, and I said this for this entire week. I'm not sure what any organization could do for Mark Shifley that the Winnipeg Jets haven't already done. I mean, he has been the centerpiece. He has been protected. I think a lot of these things that have been under the surface have sort of been kept to a minimum. And I don't think he's had many consequences for some of the things that have obviously been hurting the team and pissing off everyone else in that dressing room. So. I mean, one way or the other, regardless of where Mark plays next year, I think there really is going to have to be a good period of self-reflection. Um, and if it is with a new team, go in with an open mind and an attitude of going in, basically being the guy that we saw when he came here to Winnipeg in the first place, because that guy is a hell of a hockey player and can help teams win games. But uh, if he's expecting something more than was presented to him here in Winnipeg as basically the golden boy and the franchise player, I hate to say it, but that ain't happening. Well, it's, you know, we're going to call it what it is. He's been coddled by this organization. And that's that's not going to be the case. And imagine going to another big market team. Not, not that Winnipeg's a big market, uh, but imagine going to a, a big market team. You know, the the heat and the scrutiny is only going to be more intense wherever he goes. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I hear there's some players that do complain about the media coverage and things like that in Winnipeg. And it's huh. like, have, have you read a newspaper in any other city? Have, have you listened to a, a TV or a radio show in Boston or Philly or New York or any of these other diehard markets? They they kill these guys. Like, Edmonton even, right? Like, I mean... <laughs> McDavid and Dreisaitl have been carrying that team for four years and they get skewered all the time in the press. So it, it might it might be a bit of a rude awakening if he does go to a team like that and they do see the same level of defensive commitment and things like that immediately right out of the gate. He it, it might it might be a bit of a rough ride for a little bit, but from from an individual perspective, hey, it might be the best thing for him. Like from from his career point of view, he might need something like that. Because it sounds like a guy that needs a bit of a kick in the ass. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, management coaching, but they they failed to do that a number of times. You know, I can probably count one or two instances where where Paul Maurice sat him at the end of the bench for for wh whatever it might be, a, a bad line change, lazy line change, poor coverage, things like that. And it didn't get the message through, and it was 24, 25 minutes a night the rest of the week moving forward.
And I, I just don't think other franchises are going to handle him the same way. So that, that'll be kind of an intriguing subplot. You know, the other part of it is from a, from a Jets point of view, it doesn't really matter. Like if they move him, that's your problem. Now we're, we're going to deal with whatever we get back here. And that's going to be the other fascinating part of this is there's, there's going to be no shortage of teams interested in Mark Shifley, but how many of them are going to be willing to part with a package that's going to fit with what the Winnipeg Jets are looking for? Because I can't imagine they're going to be content with something based off futures, right? Like, even if it was a first-round pick and a top prospect, does that really help the Jets if they're no, trying no, they, to get back it, into a playoff? It, it, well, right and let's think about Dow's position right now. Yes, he's got the confidence of the organization. He's got the three-year extension. But we know full well that these next two seasons in particular – are incredibly important because of one contract in particular, and that's the guy that makes it happen in the net, and that's Connor Hellebuck. Um, I, 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 well, let me ask you this. I mean, if you're shoveled off and you're, you've come to the decision that, okay, you know what, this has to happen, we're going to be doing this, and we're open for offers, what are you looking for? What's the best-case scenario of a return for the Winnipeg Jets? I mean, I guess you could say a one-for-one center uh, that's a Mark Shifley type yeah. that's going to do the things you want. That's not realistic. I mean, I think it's probably a few players. You might be taking a bit of a hit at that center position. I'd imagine you'd like to have a center back. But, I mean, there's all so many other moves that could happen in and around the offseason that could come in. I mean, wh- wh- where are you at? with If you put the GM's hat on and you are moving Mark Shifley, what sort of a deal and what sort of a return makes the most sense to make Winnipeg say, yes, we'll do it? Yeah, for for me, it's it's one thing and one thing only. It's high end talent. I'm not I'm not interested in three or four pieces. I'm not interested. Hey, can you throw in a second round pick and a pro- all that, that? That that's just crap. What what Winnipeg needs if you're moving a guy of his stature is and like you touched on there, you might not be able to quote unquote win the trade right now. There there's probably needs to be an understanding that the Jets are going to give up the most talented player in the deal. But if you get, say, a, a 20 to 21-year-old centerman who's got a ton of high-end potential, it's a, it's a deal like that. I, I know the defense core is a little a little muddled right now. There's, there's a lot of bodies and a lot of contracts there. But if it's a high-end defensive piece, I'm down with that too. But it, it's got to be somebody that can play at the top of your lineup. End of discussion. Anything other than that, I'm just not all that interested in. So... Again, this is the real, real fascinating part of this is can you find a team that has something like that, that that might be you might be looking for a team that's kind of on the way up and is looking for a big piece to help push them up. I I don't know. I mean, maybe L.A., maybe L.A. would do something like that. And I know they've got a guy named Quinton Byfield who's an up and comer, but I don't know if that fits with with their but something along those lines, I think as far as something that's realistic would probably be best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets is finding a young centerman who's got sky high potential and could potentially soon develop into the guy that Mark Shifley was. Well, and you know what the irony, the irony of that, and I absolutely agree with you on that. And I think that makes sense for Winnipeg, the way the team works. I mean, the the idea would be is if you're moving off of Shifley and this is, something that goes back to my, you know, when we started talking about this in November as to, you know, this might be something the team has to consider outside of all the stuff that was in the locker room. We were even talking about that then. Um, is the fact that if you can kind of move on from the tail end of what was a great contract for the team to a player that is backed up in where they are at in the years and getting those prime years and getting the team control and getting the option or the opportunity to at some point signing that team 
that that player does, you know, it's a big win. But in the short term, that young player is not going to come in and do certainly in one end what Mark Scheifele is able to do, which in an incredibly ironic twist makes Paul Stastny that much more important to the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> we saw the way he played when he actually did get to play center along with Ehlers and Wheeler at the end of the year. And I know it's far from a sure thing that he's back. I mean, he's absolutely is a possibility, but I think that the, the want and need of the Winnipeg Jets to get Stastny back as part of moving on from a very disappointing year and being part of the solution and helping them at the center ice position. Uh, the bargaining power went up for 25. I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah, no, whatever. I, I'm kind of in board with whatever it takes to to keep the old man back for another year. Let's make it happen. And and there's, look, we're talking about a guy that scored 20 goals and what was it, like 45 points, somewhere in and around yeah. there. And his most important thing might might be off the ice with what he with what he brings to the team. And I'm not an off the ice intangibles guy, but you know, just hearing him over the last little while, it's it's hard to imagine not having that presence right now with the Winnipeg Jets. And and seeing how well he played too with you know Ehlers and Wheeler and and Paul Stasny, that line the line looked pretty damn good. I you know that that might be something you might want to look into again for next year. You know, you have a group like Dubois and Connor together. You can throw pretty much anyone beside those two, and you're going to get a pretty good line there. But, I mean, you're talking about a really effective, one of the better potentially second lines in the NHL if you're giving Ehlers a ton of ice time beside Paul Stasny. So I'm backing up the Brinks truck, whatever it takes. You know, if he's got a favorite a favorite type of food, if he's got news, uh, whatever it is, find a way to get him back if, if his body's aching. I, I've got a little juice left in my knees, stem cells, whatever you need. Like I, I'm doing whatever it takes to get 25 back in Winnipeg for one more season. Well, and and a big part of that is the locker room, is the uh, identity of the team. And I think we've seen, I've called him a number of times, he seems to really be the conscience of it. Because, you know, Blake Wheeler, for all the positive things that he's done as captain, for a long time has sort of been, it's been the Shife, uh, the Shife and Wheeler show and then everyone else. And I think that is sort of, you know, been bubbled up over the surface and we've seen from a number of players. That being said, I think Blake Wheeler played some of his best hockey of the year after moving off of Shifley's line this year, and I don't think that is missed out. Many people thought that the reason why he had the results in the past was all because he was essentially stapled to the hip with Shifley, and there's certainly something to that when Mark was on and certainly doing those things offensively. But... I asked Marat this yesterday. If the team does move on from Mark Shifley, where does that leave Blake Wheeler? And he gave a very interesting answer and in that in some ways, somewhat on an island. And I'm interested in your perspective on, you know, Wheeler going forward. If Mark Shifley's not here, regardless of what comes back in the trade, um, what do you make of Wheeler's situation coming off this, this season and owning much of the leadership and what's happened in the club. I mean, he's worn that himself as a captain pretty much has to do um, because I still do think that there is a lot of Blake Wheeler that is great for this team. And I do yeah. think that given the right attitude coming back, he could absolutely be part of the solution moving forward. Um, where are you at all on that? Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't know what's been asked of him. We don't know if the coaching staff or management has asked him to take a reduced role or anything like that. So I, I, I don't really want to speculate on, on that part of it, but for me, there, there's a ton of value for Blake Wheeler as a Winnipeg jet. And it's just not as a first line right winger anymore, whether you want to call it second, third line, you know, somewhere in the middle six, 
if he's a, a sheltered middle six winger who can still run a power play for you and pick up 70 some odd points, you're not getting $8 million worth of value, but, but you're still getting a net positive player in that regard. And, and I, I think he's been kind of sneaky good this year, to be honest with you, you know, his, if you want to call it regression is, is just age-based. Like he just doesn't, he's, he's not as fast and as, as quick as he used to be, which makes sense. You know, he's, He's in his mid-30s. I'm heading into my mid-30s. I can barely get up and down the stairs. So I I, I understand it from that perspective. But I, I just think there needs to be a real honest and frank conversation between Chevy, the head coach that's to come here, and, and Blake Wheeler and say, look, we, we think there's a spot for you here if you want it. But it's not going to be playing 20 minutes a night. It, it's going to be 15 minutes a night. You're going to feel better all season long. You're going to be fresh come hopefully March, April, and May. And if you want to get this team back into contention and, and back into a, a serious playoff team, this is the path to do it. So you're either in or out. I, I think that's that's kind of what needs to happen this offseason. I, I, I don't know if he's in for that or, or not, but I think that's the direction the team needs to take. He doesn't have to be, you know, eight minutes a night healthy scratch on the fourth line like like Spezza in, in Toronto. I don't think we're we're at that level just yet, but there needs to be an understanding that you know what this can still be your team from a leadership perspective but part of being a leader is recognizing that there's a few young horses that are ready to take the reins and and get that high-end ice time get high-end power play time all that sort of a thing and ready to become leaders themselves and ready to become leaders themselves and that's something that we saw examples of throughout the year uh, especially at the end of the season. I mean, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois did that all season long. Certainly Nikolai Ehlers. We heard from Kyle Connor and the guy that he's turning into in addition to a scoring superstar. Um, but all of that is important to raise those guys up so you have them all part of that group, really feeling they're part of it as opposed to, you know, knocking on a glass ceiling um, in a uh, in a cast system within uh, within the locker room. Hey, I want to talk playoffs with you, but one more for you. You talked about coaching. Um, it's interesting to hear a couple names that you know have connections to Jets 1.0 and the Moose and Randy Carlisle and Scott O'Neill, um, you know, mentioned as potential interview candidates. What did you think of those two names? And it, it, as far as a coach goes, what do what type of coach is the guy that will make the biggest impact next season in your mind with this roster or what's remaining of it get when we get to October? Yeah, interesting. Interesting was a word that that popped to mind. Um, you know, I, I wonder if the fan base might go uninspired, right? Because I I think a lot of the problems this organization has gotten itself into these past few years is, again, looking for, for loyalty and, and people that have ties with the city and with, with True North and, and things like that. I, I, yeah, I, that's not the route I would go. I, I'll tell you that much. I don't even really have a specific name either. Like it, to me, it could be, if you want to call it a retread, it could be somebody like that. It, it could be somebody that's an assistant coach, you know, banging on the door to be a head coach. There, there really is. If you look at recent history and success, there's no real like blueprint for which guy you want to have to be the next head coach for your team and have success for five, six years, because it's, it, it's really all over the place. But I guess the main tenets, of, of what you're looking for from the new bench boss here in Winnipeg is first and foremost, just leadership. And like, it's gotta be somebody that has strong leadership qualities that, that that's, that's the main thing here. 
and we'll use the magic A word again, but willing to hold players accountable. And I don't think that means an old school hard ass coach, right? Like people kind of, I think, get that skewed a little bit where, you know, you need somebody that's kind of mean and miserable all the time to be a guy that can hold players accountable. But like, I, I don't really view John Cooper, for example, as an old school type of guy. But do the Lightning not play the correct way? I, I would say yes. I think Rod Brindamore is in that same mold too. Like he's not an old school guy. He's kind of on the, you know, he he embodies a lot of the modern trends with the NHL, but but the Hurricanes play picture perfect defense, right? So I, I don't think it necessarily has to be that route as well, but just somebody that's willing to hold players' feet to the fire. He's, you know, not afraid to to ruffle some feathers and maybe a bit more of a modern. I guess a modern mindset, you know, people will talk strategies and things like that. It's not even that for me necessarily, but just a, a grasp of the modern game, right? To to move away from top six, bottom six, to move away from we need a defensive defenseman with an offensive defenseman, right? Just put the best players on the ice and figure the rest out from that point on. That That's the guy that I'm looking for. So, I hey, it could end up being Scott Arneal and, and Randy Carlisle are those guys. I have sincere doubts about that. To me, it shouldn't be who's the best coach that has ties to Winnipeg in the past. It should be who's the best guy that we can hire, period. If he's got zero years of experience or if he's got 30 years of experience, I don't really care. Just find the guy, pick that guy, and then you don't have to worry about this for another half decade. Yeah, uh, um, I mean, two of the guys that I think are doing some of the best work in the National Hockey League, I mean, listen, the Leafs could still lose, but I think the job that Sheldon Keefe has done, I mean, you've just seen how hungry and how hard this team plays and how much they buy into what he's saying. I mean, that sort of, you know, and that's a younger coach that didn't have a, a pedigree of being an NHL coach before. And I talked about the turnaround in Edmonton earlier on. I mean, the work that Jay Woodcroft has done with a team that looked absolutely lost. I mean, like as, as low as the Jets were this season, the Oilers were there too. And the Jets stayed along that path and the Oilers did a complete 180 under Woodcroft. And you look last night, everyone's got a piece of it. They're playing their fourth line, even with, I mean, I would say this, of any coach that would just lean on his top players more than any other, I think you'd probably give the Edmonton Oilers coach the best benefit of the doubt because of the guys he has at the top of his lineup. That's not happening right now. Those guys still get their ice time and they're out in the key situations. But the buy-in that they've had has been... Uh, listen, someone was giving me a hard time for being envious of the Oilers right now. I don't know how you could be anything but considering where these two teams were earlier in this season and seeing what Edmonton did last night and what they're doing right now down the stretch to become second place in their division, as opposed to a lot of people waiting for some sort of turnaround with the Winnipeg Jets that just never came this year under Dave Lowry. Yeah, no, and, and that's a great example. Again, people will throw the Calgary thing out there. You know, watching the Flames completely suffocate the Dallas Stars for 60 minutes with the same group of guys that couldn't play a lick of defense last year. What the best the goalie behind them? Where does that sound familiar, right? So, <laughs> so it, it's it's out there, right? Like, and that's I guess kind of the it's the tantalizing but potentially precarious situation the Winnipeg Jets find themselves in is that they can turn it around quickly, but it, it's got to be it's just it's got to be the right guy, and and that's. That's the main thing here. I think the Jets missed an opportunity when Paul Maurice stepped down to bring somebody in outside the organization because it does feel like a team that needs a breath of fresh air thrown their way. And I think that's kind of in part, you know, what, what, what sunk them this year. But, you know, you get a chance to rectify that. And, and 
If you're Kevin Chevalier, not a lot of GMs get the chance to rectify that again. So it's something that needs to be taken extremely seriously. Cast a wide net out, interview 10, 15, 20 people, right? Because again, you, you shouldn't be in this position year in and year out. But when you get the chance to do it, take advantage of it, speak to as many people as you can, and don't don't fixate on, on certain things. Just find the guy that you think is going to be the right person for your organization, regardless of where they've been in the past or anything like that. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one 100%. And I think that's the one way that can make the way they handle things post Paul Maurice this year palatable to people. If they're able to spend the amount of time and do the due diligence with plenty of time to interview as many individuals as possible they think might be the right fit to get that right guy. Because let's face it, mid-season, you don't necessarily have that opportunity. Um, right now that they do. And it could be the most, along with a potential trade of a superstar player, uh, the most impactful thing that this hockey club will go through this summer. Yeah, no, it, it, I think it's it's step one. You know, even before you deal with the Mark Scheifele situation, it's it's the most important thing that's going to happen this year. And, I mean, there's going to be a, a group of new assistant coaches as well, right? So you're essentially bringing in a brand new team that's that's going to shape going to shape Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, the list goes on and on here. So it's it's something where, you know, you could potentially bring Shifley back and have a successful season, but you can't whiff on the coaching hire. You, you whiff on that and it sets your organization back another three years and, and potentially even more. So that's going to be step one. It's going to happen before any other trade happens with this team as well. So who that person is going to be, it, it, it's fascinating. I, I can't help but think Bruce, there it is, is on the way out in Vancouver. And that's it's a guy that I, I I would be looking hard at and then try to figure a way to get him into the fold. But we'll, we'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting process. But the, the magnitude of that decision cannot be understated. No doubt about it. Well, listen, I know we spend most of our time on Jets. We'll get into more of the playoffs next week because there has been some amazing action so far. Uh, quickly, what's the sked now that the season's over? Are you going to still be cranking out uh, skates and plates on a regular basis? Yeah, yeah. You know, now that I'm not... In, stuck in a hospital or a bed I, I think i'll be dropping another episode tomorrow you know it's it's nice to, to be in front of the microphone again so yeah it, it should be for the next little while at least you know every tuesday and friday new episode will come out and, and yeah i think again people get it at this point skates and plates at skates plates pod or at brandon underscore wiki on twitter so you can find it all there good stuff rue uh have a great one glad you're feeling better we'll talk to you next week great stuff today Sounds good, man. Have a good one. You got it. All right. We're going to go from the Jets to uh, the local soccer squad. Valor FC home opener coming up in just a second. We're going to welcome in head coach Phil Dos Santos. Before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp who have been on board with us since day one. If you or the family are looking for a new vehicle, why not? Get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team. Check out the electric vehicles, all the Teslas on the lot, as well as everything else. And if there's a particular car you're looking for, talk to the uh, Knot experts. They'll find it for you, get it for you at the best possible price. Go and visit them, Waverly and McGilvery, or find out more on all the Knot services online at Knot.ca. Uh, I have a feeling there'll be a few cold little brown jugs consumed before the match on the weekend of course the uh fans of valor fc getting ready to get out and whether you're watching down at the king's head uh for the road games or gathering downtown nothing 
makes the uh, pregame or postgame better than uh, Winnipeg's favorite beer with Little Brown Jug. You can pick it up at the Tap Room on William Avenue. You can grab it at beer stores and liquor stores around the city. Uh, and listen, the best spot is to go in at William Avenue. But if you don't even want to leave the house, Little Brown Jug will deliver to you as well. Go online at littlebrownjug.ca. Delivery citywide on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Uh, of course, we're going to be talking about what's happening at IG Field on Saturday with Phil in just a second. Uh, but coming up in not too long, the bomber season starts as well. Princess Auto, very proud to be sponsoring the Bomber Tailgate. Speaking of cold ones before the game for all regular season games and just finished up that very successful Grey Cup tour as well. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them on one of two locations Panet Portage in Winnipeg or shop online 24 7 365 over at princessauto.com and another big slate of NHL playoff action tonight uh, for my money these next two weeks are maybe the best time to get together with the gang at a local Boston pizza enjoy some gourmet pizza some Boston wings a few schooners and watch all the great NHL action on the big screen and if you're staying home go to bostonpizza.com check out their game day deals and get it delivered hot and fast to your door at bostonpizza.com all right. Well, we had to wait a few extra days to finally see Valor FC in the new squad on the field, but the wait is over Saturday as the new home opener gets going and uh, the Valor lads take on the Halifax Wanderers and let's get ready for Valor season at home. Been a great start so far with the new coach, Phil Dos Santos. Phil, what's going on? Welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Hey, Andrew. I'm well. What about you? Uh, you know what? I'm great. We finally got some nice weather. Maybe it's a good oh. thing that we waited a few extra days to get this home opener on. It's been miserable around here, but uh, the sun's shining right now, and I'm sure you and uh, the fellas uh, cannot wait to get out there and do it in front of the home fans in the trench. Absolutely. The week's been very good. We've we've got to train and enjoy the turf of IG Field, but also the weather, so it's been very good. How, how's how's everyone feeling now? We got a pretty healthy squad going into the uh, going into the game on Saturday. Uh, we do. We we do. We're still missing a couple pieces. Uh, a little setback with AJB was in his knee, so uh, precaution will will keep him out this weekend. Uh, apart from that, maybe a knock or two there, but we'll um, we'll have our squad ready to go. So these are things that are normal. It's a little bit amplified by um, missing yet the paperwork of maybe one or two players uh, of the, the international players. So. Uh, we'll we'll be good. I think that uh, the guys that are ready to go, those are we have to focus on them, and we'll make sure that we have a team that's going to be extremely competitive and hungry to win and to to succeed at IG Field. Now uh, you've had the opportunity to play three matches already, and and, and listen, the the first game I'm sure was. You know, maybe a bit of a reality check. You had that lead. I mean, you lose it late. You get the draw. But, you know, from talking to people in the organization, it really felt like one that got away. Tough game up against Pacific. And then an absolute offensive explosion, putting up a half dozen against Atletico Ottawa. Fill us in on those first three games on the road, what you learned about the squad and, you know, how they bounced back from the disappointment early on with that incredible performance against the team in the nation's capital. Yeah, I go back to the Edmonton game. I think we were the best team on the field. That one, uh, it slipped and we we were disappointed. But when you look at the pick, the big picture, you you take a point on the road. We always feel uh, 
disappointed when you're the best team, you've had the best chances, you're, and you're not able to come out of uh, of a game with with the three points. So obviously, we knew we had a very difficult game in Pacific, playing a team that just came off a championship. They're difficult to play at home. The the proof is that they won all all three home games, and then went on the road to Edmonton and uh, and got a draw there and then go out to lose their their game in um, in uh, Calgary. So a uh, road just seems to be hard for every team. So going out of, of the getting out of the three games with a one one and one will take it where we feel it could have been a, at least a two win out of three in this road uh, road spell. But uh, Again, I say this, it's it's important to accumulate maximum points at home and be able to grab uh, what we can away from home. I go back to last year, I think the club struggled a lot uh, away from home. Uh, we, we had to wait until, I believe, the Calgary game in the end of the season to get a, a first uh, road win, apart from the one in Ottawa for the Canadian Championship. So I feel the team's been extremely competitive. And that's what we need to be away from home and then capitalize when we play home in front of our of our fans. And uh, that's the mentality the guys need to go with for every game. Uh, I've got to ask you, I mean, you know, anyone that watches soccer knows how exciting and the emotion that comes out when the twine is bulged and the ball goes in the net. What does it do for a squad to be able to do that six times in one game? It's, uh, of course, it's, we could get carried away. We have to look at circumstances. It, it won't happen every, every game. And uh, of course we, we take it and we're, we're always happy. It was almost a complete performance. Not everything was perfect, but I feel that a lot of things had to go our way. And, you know, the ball was going in. I think that we were, we were good in the final third and, and we were able to take our chances. Now there's going to be games where we'll be equally good and not be able to capitalize the same way. So we need to be ready to uh, to find solutions and in that uh, in that um, given time. So um, yes, it's good. It's uh, it's uh, it shows that this team will have goals in them. So how, how good can we be defensively? How good can how good can we be uh, when we don't have the ball? How well can we control the space? Because we've shown and we've shown it since last year that the team will have goals and we have we have guys that have the capacity to uh, uh, to score and and collectively find multiple players to to find solutions in when it comes to scoring and generating scoring chances. Phil DeSantos is the head coach of Valor FC home opener on Saturday against the Halifax Wanderers IG Field, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Bill, when we spoke last, you were just getting ready with training. And, and we did speak about, you know, you taking over at the end of last season, getting a chance to know a little bit about the squad, work with them heading into the offseason, and then an extended training period heading into the year. How much more comfortable are you right now as head coach of Valor with the squad that you have right now heading into the home portion of the schedule? And, and tell us about what you've sort of been building on over the course of the last couple months, in addition to the three games that you've played in the season so far. Yeah, we. Uh, I think the blocks were were starting to be put in place last year with the evaluation of the the roster we had, and then looking into what we wanted to to be and uh, how we wanted to look in 2022. And um, that's a process. I'm just trying to get to know everyone, not only 
not only uh, the, the players, but also the, the, the staff, the medical team, the people in the front office, um, the mindset of the organization and what it means for, for the organization to win and, you know, trying to feed off a little bit of what uh, the success of, um, of a group like, uh, like the Blue Bombers has been in recent years. So uh, it, it's important for us to have a good grasp and for me to have a good grasp of what the people in the organization are all about because that's what also helps develop the culture internally in the soccer team. So um, we have a clear model, a clear idea of what we want to look like on the field, uh, the type of team we want to be and uh, how energetic we want to be. And then it's working on a daily basis towards that goal. And as we progress and as we, we build this identity, it's important to do so with results. So it was important uh, what we were able to build last year and, and, and then not feel that we need to change everything, but be able to still bring a lot of players back and develop that model and reinforce that model and keep growing as a team. So uh, I think teams that will have success in this league are teams that are able to work, progress, grow with continuity, but also while achieving, achieving success, because that's the sign that what you're doing is working. Bill, I want to ask you about the job as a coach. You know, we spent a lot of time, you know, after the Jets season talking about where they're going to be going with their new coach. I mean, from your perspective as a guy that is a head coach, the leader of a professional squad, how much of your job is technical, is tactics? How much of it is it being a leader and a motivator? And how much of it is it being, for lack of a better term, like a psychiatrist for some of oh. your players and guys? I mean, how would you break that down? Well, I don't put percentage. I think that every moment is important. I think there's you need to change hats going from one one situation to another. Uh, when you're in training, uh, having a clear I idea of what you want to look like as a team, then dealing with all the personalities and um, the recruitment process and what type of people you wanna you wanna bring in and what type of players you wanna bring in, and you're always it, it, you never stop managing. And, and I think that everything comes end in end. Uh, you can't try to break down all the components of the job. Uh, there's not more of technical. There's not more of recruitment. There's not less of, of um, managing and trying to, to lead and uh, bringing in your leadership policies. I think that every situation, all components are, are interacting and touching a little bit uh, of each piece in and, and, and every moment. So I think the job never ends. Uh, you always need to be thinking about how you're going to approach a player in a given situation. Uh, every word that you're going to bring up will affect or will have an impact on, uh, on, on, on the, the, the way the player uh, is going gonna, is gonna to handle himself or, or react to your words. And so it's important to have a clear idea of of what you are as a human being, number one, what you want to bring to the to the team, what you want to bring uh, to the club, and and not deviate from it. Be extremely coherent. And then I say this: there's your your leadership policies, there's your training methodology, and then there's your the way you see the game and how you want to transmit the game to the players. And you're you in your interactions with every part of the organization. 
you need to be true to yourself and and you can't you can't deviate from who you are uh, that's the easiest way to be consistent and it's the best way to be consistent even if sometimes it could be difficult for whoever's on the other side to receive what you have to tell them you just need to be coherent and consistent um, then it's about standards and structure um, i think as a coach in everything you do you need to do it with very high st uh, standards and you need to work inside the structure that you've built that you want people to work within uh, and not deviate from that because it's very easy to what i call be to be a, a wishy-wash person uh that goes with the wind and and i think that when you're like that as a manager of people uh, it's very hard to succeed Bill DeSantos is the head coach of Valor FC home opener on Saturday afternoon at IG Field. That was a really interesting answer, Phil. I'm glad I asked you that. Uh, quickly heading into the game on Saturday, um, for folks that haven't seen the road game so far, the 2022 version of Valor FC, what style of football do you plan to be playing and what can people look forward to when they see your club take the home field for the first time on the weekend? Well, we want to be a team that is extremely aggressive on and off the ball. And when I say aggressive off the ball is make sure that the opposition doesn't have time and space on the ball. Uh, our references of pressure are very clear. Uh, we want the team to understand that when we recover the ball, um, there's an opportunity to exploit spaces. But if we're not able to do so, we need to be good on the ball and value uh, the ball so that we could control the game and control the, the ups and downs of the game. But, uh, but above all, it, it's this, the mentality of the group needs to be one where uh, we need to be 100% committed to the goal and 100% committed to the team. Uh, for me, I want to be a high-energy team, a team that transmits the passion that we have on the field to, to the fans, to the outside people. Um, I feel that it's something that we've been able to do, and it's just about finding consistency. Um, I don't like to talk about styles and, and moments of the game because I think that those fluctuate. The team needs to be able to, to, um, to defend in the different areas of the field uh, well and, 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 and compete uh, the same way we need to be, to be able to understand when is it time to be a little bit more objective and pragmatic and when is it time for us to try and, and stay in, uh, on the ball and be a bit of a possession-oriented team because the truth is that the game will fluctuate and there's going to be moments for everything. So, so understanding the different moments is very important for us as a team. Hey, Phil, before we go, I've just got to ask you, it took an extra couple of days to finally get out in front of the home fans. But what's the vibe around the team? How excited are the fellas to finally get out on the pitch here in the peg? It's great. It's great. We're excited. We, we love the stadium. We love to play here. We, uh, we think that, uh, our fans are are the best. We and I say this, and I had a chance to experience it in um, in a very short spell. Uh, but I, I I don't know why. I don't know if it's the echo. I don't know. You don't need to have a stadium that it's filled to capacity to to feel the energy. So we're excited. We're excited um, to to connect with our fans again and and be able to play home. The weather's gonna be. Uh, extremely nice. It's going to be a, a very good afternoon for the sport. So 
let's go. Let's uh, let's just play the game and and hopefully we could be here at the end of the day on Saturday and 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 celebrate with our fans. Uh, on the weekend. Yeah, it's still time to get season tickets, half seasons, and uh, mini plans as well. You can go to the Valor Football website for all of that. Hey, just on the way out, did you catch the Champions League semifinal yesterday? I, I, I did. I How did. does that happen? Is that a, just a choke job by Man City or just Real Madrid summoning greatness with their entire season on the line in one of the most incredible fashions you've ever seen? I think a bit of both. I think that uh, when you play good teams and when you're at that level, you, you, and again, I have to be careful because I don't think teams voluntarily sleep. Uh, but, uh, you know, you just one moment, one goal like that gives a momentum and a belief and then, uh, and then anything could happen. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's, uh, it was great. It was great and just incredible. Yeah, it's going to be a heck of a final coming up. But uh, first things first, let's uh, get three points on Saturday afternoon at IG Field. Thanks so much for doing this. Always appreciate your time and talking with you. Can't wait to get out there on Saturday afternoon, cheer on the guys, and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again very soon. Good luck on Thank the weekend. You, My pleasure. All the best. Eh? <laughs> Great stuff. There it is. Phil DeSantos, Valor FC head coach. Follow them on Twitter at Valor Football and uh, head on over to the website if you want to find out more about ticket packages and ticket plans for the season. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a great day out there. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, the performances of the squad in the first few games, I mean, the Edmonton game was disappointing to, you know, come away with just the one point, giving up a late equalizer, uh, but certainly a nice, and Phil mentioned, I mean, this team did not have a lot of success on the road last year. Uh, so to get that and then put in a half dozen against Atletico Ottawa heading into this game, I think a lot of momentum for the squad. And uh, tell you what, if you haven't been out to a game before, do yourself a favor. Great product and uh, a lot of fun out at IG Field. All right, uh, we're going to get Remus back in here in just a second. Uh, you know, it might be a great thing to do before or after that game is pop by and see our friends over at the Nick and Nicky DQ group. If you're hungry, you're going to want to try one of the new stack burgers that are amazing. They've just relaunched the entire burger family at DQ, which already was one of the best in the game. Uh, they, uh, well, as I said, you got to try them for yourself. They're available at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. and Listen, we're getting into the 20s right now. It is most definitely blizzard weather. So uh, satisfy your craving at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's, and all three Winnipeg stores available for ordering off all of the delivery apps. And if you do need a DQ cake for an upcoming event, you can hit them up at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. Get it all custom made for you to be picked up quick and easy from Nick and Nicky in any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. And uh, hey, tell you what, we mentioned maybe a little brown jug before the game on the weekend. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're definitely going to be enjoying at Bomber Games and Valor FC Games this year, and that would be the Canadian Club and Ginger, because of course, Canadian Club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You'll be able to get that at all IG Field events coming up this season. But right now, you can pick it up at your local liquor marts or beer store as well in singles and in six packs. And if you're at one of 26 liquor marts this month, they have a full Canadian club display where you'll get a free can of the CC and ginger ready to drink with any Canadian club purchase. So pop by, grab your CC and ginger at your local beer store or liquor marts. Uh, we will get to the cool bet lines in a few minutes and talk about tonight's action in the national hockey league. But let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, 
Remo, always fun talking and chopping it up with Brandon Rewicki. Some great insights on the Jets. And uh, tell you what, I'm really excited for this soccer game on Saturday, having Phil back on. What an interesting individual. And, you know, maybe the most interesting answer of the entire conversation we had outside of the team was, you know, as a head coach, a professional head coach, him talking about what the job is each and every day. And uh, interesting to listen to that in the uh, context of what the Winnipeg Jets are looking for as to what they do next. Yeah, I think the role of a coach certainly evolved here into 2022. You mentioned the Valor FC home opener on Saturday, 2 p.m. I know we had the historic back-to-back of the Bombers West Final and uh, the Jets Leafs game. How about Saturday? You know, spend all day at UVM campus, hit up the Valor home opener, and then head on down to the Ice Cave, uh, 7 o'clock, with the, who are they playing, Moose Jaw? Medicine Hat. Medicine Hat? Sorry, I thought I got the... Is it a Medicine Hat Tigers? I got the really, I got the thing here. I must have messed it up. Hold on. They sent me, they just gave me the bobblehead, actually, yes, I do have it here. Oh, the, oh, the Carson Lambos bobblehead? Yeah, you want to see it? Yeah, fire it up. On Saturday, yeah, special, Saturday seven, spe- and the Valor is uh, is at two, right? Or a little... yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, Valor's at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and then the Ice uh, kick things off while Friday night against the Moose Jaw Warriors at the Ice Cave, and then game number two is on Saturday. So yes, that could be a, a, a great plan. Soccer game at two, finish it up, and then maybe pop over to Boston Pizza or Nicolino's, grab something to eat, and then right back to campus at Max Bell for the ice and Moose Jaw in game two of the Western Conference Finals. And uh, you can get AHL TV on your phone while you're at the game and keep tabs on the Moose in Milwaukee in game two of their Calder Cup series on uh, Saturday as well. Here it is. I got the mini Lambos bobblehead. It uh, doesn't quite have the hair that he had uh, on the show earlier this week. But, oh, he uh, had great flow yesterday. A playoff, was, playoff ready lid for a young Carson. He was worthy of going in the uh, Minnesota like hockey hair high school thing. But Nice. Why don't you take the piece of plastic off in front of it so we can actually see what the jersey and whatnot. No, like. I got to keep it in the <laughs> wrapping. I, don't, I got all these bobbleheads. I got some 2002 Team Canada bobbleheads. That have been in in the box for over twenty years now, so I don't I don't take them out. That's good. You know what? I actually got a shout out to my mom who picked up an extra Carson Lambos or uh, sorry, an extra Connor Hellebuck bobblehead. Oh, really? Uh, that we might be able to give away at some point. And then here, of course, is Mikhail Burden. Oh, you got Burden? Burden. I think I have one for you as well. To be honest with oh, you, I'll and, take uh, one. We'll do the trade. You give me the Carson Lambos one that they sent over for me. I'll hook you up with a Burden yeah. one. And we'll hook somebody up with the Connor Hellebuck one. Maybe we'll do it involved with the uh, marble race yeah. coming up on Friday a of, afternoon. A lot of stuff being dropped off here. If you missed it earlier, we did get our trophy for the uh, best Winnipeg podcast. This is a nice glass. It's really, it really delicate. And radio station. Let's not forget yeah, radio sorry. station. That's, that's, why this, uh, th- that's why this award means that much more <laughs> to all of us here. Best radio station podcast from the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards right here. So someone asked if we could drink out of it. I was like, well, I guess I could pour a, be- a beer on here and like go like this and like have Make it go a into slide. my mouth. Yeah, have a beer slide. Shooter slide with our award. I huh? think it wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad way to do it. I like your idea of creating some sort of a title belt with it to put on. Yeah, I got to figure <laughs> out... Uh, I gotta figure out what, yeah, how to display this thing because people were gonna have the, um, 
the Winnipeg Sports Talk tour this summer, people are going to want to take a picture with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sure. Where's the Where's the Winnipeg Nightlife Award? Wouldn't mind getting a pick with that if yeah. you guys wouldn't mind. Well, no problem. Absolutely. Hear it all the time. Yeah. Oh man, that is uh, that is so funny. Yeah. Yes. You. Yes. You did. Huss's mom. Big shout out. We pick me up an extra Connor Hellebuck bobblehead for the people here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, let's get to these games tonight. Um, and we may as well pull up the cool bet lines at the same time to talk hey, about what's going on in tonight's National Hockey League. What you're, uh... I, I was going to say before we do that, we do. I want to give a shout out to uh, Nate Schmidt being named a Team USA for the uh, world. He's uh, he's the only Jet on Team USA. We thought maybe Kyle Connor probably had enough. He had enough. He's I saving mean, his goals. He's saving his goals for next year for uh, to come back I mean, and, uh, and get fifty for the Jets. You look at the USA team. It was a lot of a lot of youngerish. Guys and Nate Schmidt opting to go. I mean, it's quite a defense they have there with him and Seth Jones, um, Luke Hughes. Interesting. So we'll see how uh, USA goes. But yeah, Nate Schmidt. So we got a couple. We're seemingly Dubois, possibly Lowry, and who, we, Team Canada hasn't announced their roster yet. And Ehlers on Denmark. Yeah, so. it sounds like Dubois and Lowry will be members of Team Canada. Ehlers playing for Denmark, and uh, Nate Schmidt, the uh, sole member of Winnipeg. And obviously, we have got a ton of American players on this team. Uh, but only Nate Schmidt. It'll be a great opportunity for Schmidt to go out and uh, enjoy, continue playing a few more games. I know he and his teammates were hoping to be playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but if you're not continuing the season, as Pierre-Luc Dubois said, you want to get used to playing at this time of the year, and you don't want it to make a habit of being in the World Championships, but always in order to play for your country. So yes, kudos to Nate Schmidt, and best of luck to him at the World Championships. All right, tonight in the National Hockey League, we have... Four games. This one tonight met MSG, Rangers and Penguins. Rangers a much bigger favorite in this game than they were in game number one, Reem. Uh, minus 159 for the Rangers, plus 135. Always interesting to see how teams bounce back from both the uh, euphoria of winning a triple OT game and the incredible disappointment of playing the equivalent of just about two full games with nothing to show for it. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens tonight. Um, sorry, what did you just say? I was bringing up the thing. I totally lost. Totally well, I lost. just said. I mean, Pittsburgh and Rangers coming off this triple overtime game. Yes. I mean, Florida, the Penguins get the euphoria of the win, but also the ability for the Rangers to pick themselves off the mat after such a disappointing win. You play almost the equivalent of two games and don't win. Certainly the book thinks that the Rangers will do exactly that. They're a much bigger minus 159 favorite than they were even in game number one. Yeah, that seems like a big favorite. I guess it's proven that Igor Shesterkin, I mean, this guy is out of control. With how many saves again? I asked you like three times. Seventy nine. You every single time we bring up that's, the Rangers. That's the bit. That's the bit where I ask you because <laughs> it was just such a ridiculously high number of saves. So, uh, I mean, he's the guy. Their Vesna Trophy candidate probably going to be a finalist. Uh, how about Andrew Kopp looking pretty good? We're, we're probably winning the Rangers here. I don't know if I like the Rangers at minus 159. That seems high. As terms it of, does uh, seem high. It does seem betting. high, though. I really do think that they do bounce back and Same. get this game. I mean, if they don't, they're in deep trouble. And, you know, as a, as a Ranger show here now, hoping that they can win at least two rounds and get that second rounder turned into a first rounder for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, this is a big, big game for the Rangers tonight. So they're minus 159 favorites. Uh, a huge game for Florida. All that work to get home ice throughout the season. 
and they lose their first game to the Washington Capitals 4-2. Panthers a massive minus 244 favorite. Capitals plus 200 on the road. Um, it's weird because Florida has been so great all year long. If Joel Quenville was still there, I think you'd maybe be a little... I really do wonder about Andrew Brunette and you know his ability to maybe do some of the things that you know an experienced championship coach like Quenville did before he was gone. That being said, all the guys in that room need to step it up tonight and get the job done because... Um, you know, this incredible season for the Panthers could go south very quickly. And the best way to do that is lose your first two games on home ice. Give uh, the Caps some momentum. Um, I do think Florida bounces back, but this is, uh, I don't want to say it's a must win. I mean, we've certainly team, seen teams, the Jets did it, you know, and won three and four in St. Louis after losing one and two in 2019. They didn't end up winning the uh, the series, of course. Uh, but make no mistake about it. This is a, uh, we're going to see, I think a desperate and urgent Florida Panthers team tonight, or certainly we should. Yeah. Tom Wilson, he's out of the lineup here for, for Washington. And we just talked about in the first you know part of the show, the impact that these guys can have in the playoffs who can play physical, but also contribute offensively. And I, I do think, you know, we kind of saw this yesterday that the teams that won were the teams, you know, that lost game one, were able to bounce back Edmonton, uh, Tampa, Minnesota, they all bounce back. Uh, I do think Florida will. I'd like to see the Rangers, uh, Louis Dominguez in, in goal. Um, but I mean, just looking from an odds perspective, I mean, such heavy favorites, it's almost not worth, not worth betting if you think that they are going to bounce back. And the one, I guess the one team that wouldn't be bouncing back is Nashville. They're, I mean, they're, they're done. So, well, uh, yeah, they're, they're in a very, very difficult yeah. predicament going up against the, uh, the Preds. And, you know, they wouldn't have been in that situation if they didn't blow the 4 nothing lead to the Coyotes on the last day of the regular season to lose 5-4, oh. allowing Dallas to jump them to take on the Flames. Although, to be honest, I don't think Dallas is in a much better position against Calgary. They seem to just be in a, uh, in a sleeper hold for the majority of that game. And while Calgary could have scored a few more goals and didn't, they only needed one to win. Um, so Calgary today, a minus 222 favorite against the Dallas Stars. If you like them to win by two, uh, it's uh, plus 112. And the Avalanche, no surprise, after waxing Nashville in game number one, minus 345. To win by two, it's minus 141. And um, I don't know, is a big big save Dave back in the net tonight, getting another start? I mean, man, they sure could use UC Soros at this point. What a terrible time to have their number one goaltender unavailable. Yeah, it's funny. I watched that last game of the season. It was the last game at uh, Gila River Arena. Uh, oh, did they have a big ceremony at they, the end of the game? They were having, a, I watched the broadcast, Tyson Nash and uh, Matt McConnell were saying all their favorite Gila River Arena memories. That was such a wonderful, wonderful broadcast that I, that I watched. Um, and yeah, Nashville really just stopped playing once they got the lead. And I wonder it, how many sellouts they had there in 20 years. It was actually like 25 years at Gila River. <laughs> no, no joke. So. Uh, they are. We people are tweeting us that they have announced that they are moving to that ASU. But as for the game tonight, uh, yeah, I think Calgary. I'm on Calgary here. I think they're gonna gonna take it. And I just don't think those teams that got into the wild card, Dallas and Nashville, are, are that great. So I will roll with roll with the 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 home teams. I don't know what I did on my bracket for the. Uh, let me check. I gotta bring up my bracket. See what I see what I had. I Get the bracket. <clears throat> I'm going to check in the starting goalies because that might not be. Uh, it might be. Uh, it looks like Vanacek and Bobrovsky going. Louis Domingue 
confirmed yep. as the starter for Pittsburgh, which is just amazing. The amount of third string goalies we've seen playing. And uh, it won't be big save Dave. Connor Ingram is your starter for the Predators tonight. Um, no confirmation on Darcy Kemper, but you'd certainly assume that it is Markstrom and Ottinger. Uh, Ottinger yet to be confirmed by the Dallas coaching staff, but considering how he played in game number one, like, I don't think there's any way that he's not there. I mean, just, I don't know why you don't confirm these goaltenders, but you got to fake I'll out the other it right team. now. Ottinger's in. You got to fake out the other team. It's insane that they don't say who the goalies are. Like, what kind of advantage do you think you're getting? Don't they know us fantasy players and gamblers need to know this, uh, this information? Very strangely, no action in the NBA playoffs tonight. Uh, I don't know why the Bucks and Celtics are getting four days off between their games, but uh, they're not back on the court, nor the Grizzlies and the Warriors until Saturday. Tomorrow, it'll be the Heat and the 76ers moving the series to Philly and the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. And as far as Major League Baseball goes today, the Blue Jays begin a series in Cleveland against the Guardians. Blue Jays a minus 152 favorite. Cleveland plus 128. Um, Jays salvaging something out of that series against the Yankees yesterday. Uh, big start for Kikuchi yesterday, Reem. I think he had the uh, he was on the verge of becoming maybe a little bit of the whipping boy for the Blue Jays season. And, uh, you know, for the Blue Jays to uh, be able to to squeak out a 2-1 win against the against the Yankees and Kikuchi going six innings, seven strikeouts, and giving up only one run. A huge and very important start for the guy that sort of fit in in that 4-5 hole to begin the season. Yeah, I remember Kikuchi on Seattle. He came came out pretty good, had some rough seasons. He was kind of inconsistent. You know, you know he's a guy who can throw strikes. So, you know, as a fourth, fifth starter, pretty good, but... You're looking at the standings, Blue Jays uh, behind the Red Hot Yankees. They're 16 and 10. One thing that's shocking to me about the Jays start, run differentials minus seven with that record. And I know they've been in a lot of close games. Jordan Romano, uh, I mean, he's been 12 awesome. 12 saves now yeah, for Romano. That's 12 insane. saves so far. And the Jays are the best team in the league in one run games. And uh, listen, they've had a couple of games that got away on them. Like, what did they lose? 9-1, I think, two nights ago. So that'll change the run differential. Uh, but we know the Blue Jays bats are going to wake up at some point. Huge, huge win for Kikuchi yesterday to salvage a win out of that series right now. And I know the Yankees, and listen, the Yankees did well and they beat the, they won the series against the Blue Jays. But if you look at how they've got to 18 and seven compared to the Blue Jays getting to 16 and 10, the Blue Jays have had a far harder schedule so far. So, uh, you know, it's time to make hay against some of the uh, lesser lights in the league, uh, beginning maybe with tonight's game. The Yankees run differential plus 49. That's, uh, I mean, that's far and away tops in the, uh, in the American League. Um, next closest is Minnesota at plus 24, who's first in the Central. I know there's a lot of concern from Yankee fans early on, but uh, as long as the big bats are healthy, Judge, Ken, uh, Anthony Rizzo's there now. I mean, they're they're a pretty good team, have some decent pitching, so we're going to see these guys go toe-to-toe for uh, the whole season here. Yeah, well, listen, it's been a fun show today. Packed action on the Stanley Cup playoff front tonight. Enjoy the four games. And uh, tomorrow on the program, 
Uh, going to be great. We will, of course, talk a little moose. We will talk a little ice before things get going. Hoping to have Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period join us, get his thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs, as well as what he's hearing around the league on what's happening here in Winnipeg. Uh, we will have Kirk Contois from Assiniboia Downs help set up the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. And uh, we'll also bring in our weekly dose of Weeb's World. Can we? By the way, we just finished up the Cool Bet lines. As always, if you've never played a Cool Bet before and you would like to get in on the action, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And uh, Remo, speaking of one Weeb's World, uh, Kenny and Rennie are uh, popping in, going to hang out with Dennis Bayak coming up after uh, our program over on their uh, over on their YouTube channel. Yeah, I've seen a couple people um, go over there now. I'll post the link in the chat after the show. I was going to do an automatic redirect, but I don't think Sean correctly enabled one of the settings. Maybe they're just not as good at YouTube as... Uh... As we are, as you are, you're just, just you're the YouTube expert right just now. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I don't know what the deal was, so we'll have to we'll have to get it sorted out. So I can automatically send them over there. Perfect. Yeah. Well, listen, yep. if you are with us live on YouTube right now, thanks so much for being with us. I'd head on over to the Kenny and Rennie account. Dennis Back's going to be hanging out with the fellas. Should be a great conversation, and we're going to look forward to having Dennis on as well. Uh, just to talk about his amazing time in the booth here in Winnipeg and his great career, but I'm sure you guys will have a great conversation coming up over on the Kenny and Rennie channel now. So uh, tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Say hi to them for the gang. And otherwise, folks, have a great Thursday night and join us tomorrow for a packed show. Lots more on the Jets offseason, ice and moose playoffs. And Ken Weeb joins us for an extended conversation as well, coming out of last weekend and the uh, end of the Winnipeg Jets regular season. Thanks again to all of our sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, F Apparel, and our friends over at Wallace and Wallace. Go on over, check out KR, and join us tomorrow, 22 hours from now, 1 p.m. Central, right here, live on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night, everyone, and enjoy the beautiful weather. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.